This episode of Size Matters is brought to you by Luna Skies Pizza Pies. When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. Or maybe it really is a pizza coming to you from Luna Skies. With pies ranging in diameter from 60 feet up to 120, our pizzas may not be quite as big as the moon, but they're pretty darn close. Macros everywhere rave that not only do Luna Skies pies satisfy their appetites, but they also taste delicious. And that's because we use only the freshest ingredients and the tenderest, juiciest micros. I mean, ingredients picked by micros. Yeah, that's it. So the next time your stomach's rumbling enough to cause earthquakes in outlying areas, call or order online and get a pie sent over in 30 minutes or less. Luna Skies Pizza Pies. Filling your stomach one ton at a time. This week on Size Matters. Okay, so I knew that bringing Dragonian on as a third co-host would definitely keep me on my toes, but I had no idea just how out of control things would get. And I mean that in a good way. The best podcasts are spontaneous and off the cuff, right? Well, that's what you're getting now, at least, as we talk about the short stories and tall tales writers group, as well as... So strap in as we blast off for another week of Size Matters. Hey everybody, it's Monday, October 14th, and you're listening Yay. to Size Matters. Macro Did I get the date right? Monday. I actually got the date right, didn't I? Say <laughs> I what? The first time, I think it's the first time I actually got the date right on the first yes. try. And that's because I actually went in and saved it as the uh, title for this recording here. It's like, so thank I'm you, cue card guy. Yes, exactly. It makes I it very difficult myself. when we're all time travelers. Wait a minute, is it Miss Brightheart? That was the cue cards? I don't know. What? Who? You remember Jade Brightheart, don't you? Don't tell me we've lost her already. Uh, I, th- I think we lost her before she ever... Aww. ever. Uh, she's she's in the out. laundry pile. Dragonian, do you know who he's talking about? <laughs> I don't yes, know. Yes, Mr. Dragonian. I ate before the show. I was kind of hungry. Well, no, you who it's, knows it's... all about size matters. Sorry. All right, Kansas told us out the world. Let's start again. Hey, everybody, it's Monday. Gosh. October 14th. <laughs> size hey. matters, episode 9. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm your host, Kwandu Bashir. Joining me is Kenson Shimobe. And also Dragonian Hitsume. Meow. Hitsume. Meow. Yeah, it's true. Dragons can make any noise they want, so that is I'm valid. I'm a dragon. I do what I Go please. For it. <laughs> now I'm just imagining a dragon with a cat face. And that just, ma- that just made the me no think. no cat face, like grumpy cat? No. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I had fun once. It was awful. Never again. Never, Never again. again. Just an abomination of nature. <laughs> yes. That just made me think of this one pic I saw one time. It's like, anytime I see LMAO, I think of a French cat. Le Mau. <laughs> no. And, yes. Is it a cat wearing a beret and like a black and white striped yeah. uh, shirt? Uh, yeah, like a baguette on, uh, underneath his paw and just... Le Mau. Just... <laughs> Full blown anti French racism now. <laughs> back, back in under one, under one paw, cigarette in the other. With, a, with a, a, a pencil mustache. 
Hmm? Voulez-vous coucher, ma... coucher avec moi? Yeah, I didn't say I don't know even knows what that means. <laughs> uh, it's something very suggestive that I won't go into. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're here for another full episode, not like the last one, which was only an hour long. I mean, come on, who uh, who, who, who puts a podcast out that's only an hour long? We, we at do. least six hours for, for, for what we need to do here, right? Uh, it was just the cream filling between this episode and the previous one, so, you know, it's a and third. Like growing out of control joke here. But I, I think that analogy, Kenson, bad because I actually like the cream filling in Oreos better than the actual crackers. That's the stuff. Hostess. Which, by the way, Twinkies are back. Thank you. Sorry. Moving on. They've I haven't been had Twinkie in like 20 years. <gasps> you need to. Well, 20 years. No, I, I think I'm good. Uh, Swiss rolls. Swiss rolls are good. Uh, that's a little Debbie. A little really Debbie. Good, but they changed the recipe a few years ago. Now they don't taste right. So... Or, or if you had, like in uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the <laughs> oh. massive oatmeal cream pie. That's a little Debbie, though, but still. Uh, I, I really wish I could get something uh-huh, like yeah, that. Yeah, but... uh, I'll be right over. I have Once a box. Again, we're wildly off topic, and I swear it's not my fault. I didn't <laughs> say a word this time. No, it's no, this not is what not we're my supposed fault. to be doing. There's, there's no such thing as on topic for this podcast. You should know that. Yeah, you it's pretty true. The beginning. Well, when we have such huge gates and can walk anywhere, it's kind of, you know, we pick up stuff here and there. Go for it. Except for you, you're tiny. You're in the punishment corner. No, no. I'm yeah, you didn't, tiny you didn't stay tiny from two weeks ago when Freighter was on, so now we got to force you to be tiny and, and stick you in that jar so you can't grow out of it. Fine, I guess. Okay. okay. <laughs> Just kidding. I like being tiny, too. Just don't lose me, please. Wait, I just oh, realized well, something. Hold on. I'm going to be squeaking this entire podcast. Why Aww. are you going to be squeaking? You're not going to be able to understand me. I'm so tiny. Well, it's a good thing that you mentioned it's... that because we have now have the technology to fix that because we are in space. Macros in space. No, Except you're, I'm you're... not a macro this episode, so it's ironic. Well, macros and micros in space. Okay. Remember, I'm on a we, balloon. We are an equal opportunity podcast here. We got to have room for both. Yay. I mean, we got to eat something. Smoosh me. <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I ever want. That's all no, I ever no, want. When... You know, <laughs> when I'm a micro, ma- micros serve plenty of uses in society. First of all, they they form they're a part of a balanced breakfast, and now second of all, they 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 can fit in some places that oh my gosh. Know, the old macro might have some problems with. Oh my gosh! And they give great foot rubs. Yes, yeah. all of which I provide. Um, except well, just don't just don't. Well, if you're gonna eat me, I only like ball play. Anyway, that reminds just... me, Fuzzy Paul is gonna be in in town in a month. Really? In, in, oh, in Dallas. yeah, he's staying with Star Tide and uh, Mr. Huggles. So... I can't wait to meet uh, him. Gosh, but that I just think made... uh, Star Yaka was trying to convince him to go to come on the podcast, but I think he's got that whole micro uh, shyness to him. Aww, that made me think when you said the, the... when like you said would, part like, of have, a... like deliveries in his truck that would be like just barely too far away for us to like hang out with each other. Or he would go right through my city, but he wouldn't have oh, yeah. time to stop. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about Star Tide, not yeah. not fuzzy. Oh, uh, not fuzzy oh speaking of which, guess what? He was between Dayton and Columbus, like within like 15 minutes or something or something like that. And I was like, "What? What? But you were here and <laughs> Star Tide." When you said the balanced breakfast thing, though, just so I can get this out of my system, um. I don't know if anyone's ever done a piece like this, but I kind of want it to be done now. Balance breakfast? Why not get a bowl of micros? Hello. 
Isn't I think that... that's actually been done. Is it? Okay. I've seen something like that. Good. We kind of did mention that at least in like the second commercial for the second podcast. Good. Uh, okay. The the oh, what is it? Uh, Mycroft. Right. Uh, you know, are micros crawling into your breakfast cereal or something like that? That's true. That was the idea from Sophia. Sophia.exe. Cool. Okay. My uh, my life is now 100% complete. Okay. <laughs> if that's what made your life complete, then. And honestly, you either have really, really low standards for, for what your life should be completed with, or you have had a really good life so far. Yes. Well, my life has Probably already been completed, but I just wanted a bowl of micros. So now I got them. But I'm a micro myself. So those are micro micros, according to, you, uh, uh, is it Edemeister? I don't think I said that right. The one who did the picture that's kind of the podcast artwork right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's the... um. It's the one when he drew micro micros, like they're ridiculously tiny, like a thousandth of a size of a micro or something. It's like super tiny, super tiny. I mean, at some point, it's all just you know relative and perspective and things like that. Right. It's, you know, a micro is a macro to a micro smaller than it. Right. Yeah, but sometimes the extra thought of realizing how tiny the micro is as he's towering over the even smaller micro can just make it more interesting. Right. Ooh, by the way, speaking of which, uh, since we're talking about micro-micros and we're probably going to talk about macro-macros, uh, and since we're going to be talking about space, why not throw out an early question and say, um, since there's like, you know, parallel universes and a whole bunch of juxtapositions and things out in space that we boldly go and venture to, um, I was just thinking, uh, what if the theory behind... Uh, Oh gosh, what cartoon was it? It was in Johnny Test, I believe. They actually have this machine. I don't know about. Well, there's a cartoon called Johnny Test. It's on Cartoon Network. It's a couple years old so far. But there's an episode where they shrink so small that there's an entire there's an entire uh, universe, like billions of times smaller than atoms and stuff. And it's just it's the Nega world. Like it's it's them but opposite. So there's been that's. I've seen that kind of thing happen. Otherwise, I think that was in a Choose Your Own Adventure book. Yes. Uh, at, at some point. Interesting it was concept. Also in that Foxbusters episode, we know and love so much. I, I don't know what you're talking Probably about. Probably my age really? speaking, but I don't know. The one of the fox and the two chickens having the growth war. Oh, fox, right. Foxbusters. Yes, Foxbusters. I think I've seen. I think I've seen that. Yeah. Wait a minute. No. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm from, I'm, from the, I'm from America, not Britain land. Bleep, bleep, I'm from bleep. America, and I know about it. What kind of macro fan are you? Good morning, USA. I've, never, I've, never heard of this, uh, I've got a feeling that show. it's going to be a wonderful day. That's American Dad. Yes, because we're American. <laughs> <laughs> there's not been any, as far as I remember, there's not been a macro or micro episode of American Dad yet. We're the kids in America. Oh, um, oh I, think I think it's time was, to go on. I from think the there was actually an episode where they parodied the Incredible Journey, where Steve <laughs> like shrunk down into like a, a nano suit and went inside of someone. It's possible the Amer- American Dad. I've left left uh, a big chunks of that kind of fall out of my memory because it's <laughs> it's an okay show. It's not it's not like one it of my too. favorites. Oh gosh, it's what family. It's, American Dad is the Family Guy, as Family Guy is to the Simpsons. So. Anywhoville Stompy Pancake Paws. In in well, okay, wait, 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 wait. In what way? In what way is, is it that way? Family Guy, while it has a little bit of a different formula, it still basically does all the same things that The Simpsons did, partially because The Simpsons has done everything to give Simpsons it its due. Simpsons did it. Family Guy or American Dad basically has the same formula as Family Guy, 
and does pretty much everything Family Guy does. You see, I, I would say almost that American Dad is more like The Simpsons than Family Guy is because Family Guy, one of their biggest things, biggest sources of humor is the cutaway gag. Flashbacks. You know, like, like, it was just like the time when Peter did this in the church or whatever, and then they cut yeah. away to that. Neither American Dad or The Simpsons really do that. I don't think no, no, American, American Dad really Dad does it at all. American Dad has a lot of cutaways, not as much as The Family Guy, but they I can't, have a good cutaways. I, I like I'm Bob's think, Burgers. Yes, that's what we can all agree on. <laughs> Bob's Burgers is better than all of those shows we mentioned. Oh, Family God. Guy does a better job of integrating the cutaways into the show. Ah! 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 And your tracks go mute here. No, the one thing I'll say about uh, Bob's Burgers that I really like about it is that, as ridiculous as the characters are, nothing that happens in the show is not is uh, unrealistic. It's all stuff that could could potentially happen in real life. <laughs> it's yeah, it's true. It's it's and so common. It's kind of pulling like a King of the Hill style common, but King it's just ridiculous and funny. <laughs> I love King of the Hill. Uh, my Are perspective on that it? show is a little warped from living in Texas. My name's Hank Hill. I sell propane and propane accessories. So funny because I grew up in Texas and I saw some of that much of that yeah. actually happened. Bobby, what's a brony? When did you move from Texas again? How old were you when you moved? Oh, well, technically, I moved away from Texas when I was, like, five, then I moved back when I was seven, then I moved away when I was eight, then I spent every summer there till I was 13, were you, were then I you moved being back play, there when you... I was 15, then I moved away when I was 17, then I moved back when I was 19, then I came away when I was 20. So, so basically, you were a ping-pong ball for a macro game of a ping-pong. So Kinda. what you're saying is there is an Oregon Trail-style set of giant draggy paw prints going from Texas and various other places. Okay, now yes. now you made me realize a couple of weeks ago I actually was really trying to get to the Oregon Trail video game, but the CD, CD version from the early 90s. I was just talking running. about that earlier today in class with a couple of friends. I actually went to a point of trying to get a Windows 3.1 emulator <laughs> up and running on my Mac. It's it didn't work out too well. my computer lab had back when I was in elementary school. Oh, oh God, my gosh, no. the feels, man. Earth. Yeah. We didn't even get math blasters. All we had was organ trail. Oh my uh, gosh! So who was it? There was someone was talking to me. I think it may have been Frieder, but I'm not sure. Um, about how in elementary school there was a year where like their uh, computers were not. They had like they had, didn't have their computers or whatever, and they actually played the organ trail from printouts. Like the teacher had printed out the organ trail and like all the different screens, and what? they played it through like in a book of, of printouts. <laughs> that's that's that's. In a way, amazing. <laughs> it would be. I don't know how you would even do that, but I guess. I mean. Now, for you young kids, a printer is something that used to hook up to a computer and st and give you uh, paper uh, from what you saw on the screen. And Yay! Print out I'm learning. Kenson's the only one here that probably doesn't know what that is. The <laughs> more you know. Bring! I haven't had a printer in probably five years of my own. Printers go for Wi-Fi now. Awesome. Yeah. Well, all that kind of Thank technology you. is ancient Smithsonian history when it comes to uh, space life. Again, you're going, you're jumping ahead to the second topic. But I want to talk topic. about space. Space. Then, space, then space. Be, sit still, be quiet. You know, stay in your jar, and, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the, uh, the short and stories and tall tales. The rest of this episode with Kinson's head replaced by the space sphere from Portal Two. 
But first, before we go space. into space, because I know that's where everyone wants to be. Planet Stars, Galaxy uh, Numbers, we're going to talk, space. Uh, gonna talk space, a little space. bit about a new writing group that, Dragonian, you've been a part of uh, of formulating and and uh, bringing up, and that's the Short Stories and Tall Tales group from Fur Affinity. Is that right? That is correct. So Tell us a little bit about me that. and Fox Fusion on Fur Affinity. We wanted a place to, you know, kind of better integrate the macro and micro writing community. Because, you know, it, it's a lot harder for writers to get their name out as, than it is for artists. You know, not mm -hmm. as many people are willing to read stories just because it's a lot more of a time investment. You know, yeah. whereas like, no, nothing bad against art. Just, you know, right. a, lot, a lot of people are more interested in just like the instant gratification you can get from spending 30 seconds looking at a piece of visual work to, right. you know, approve of it and like sure. it. And right, because a well, picture is worth like a thousand words. Reading a story. So and I think another... Oh, I think another just real quick reason for that is in addition to just the, the visual nature, but it's, you know, Fur Affinity is not really set up for writing. It's set up right. for for visual art. It's set up for, uh, you know, it has writing as an option. It has audio as an option. But, you know, there's sites like So Furry and, and even to a lesser extent mm -hmm. Weasel and, and, and Ink Bunny uh, that are better for displaying writing than, than Fur Affinity has. That's one of the things I, I really hate reading writing from Fur Affinity just because mm -hmm. of how of how it's displayed on the site. Yeah. Well, that's why, honestly, I prefer like being able to download it out of something, but I've noticed that a lot of people don't like that, so that's why I started posting mine as text. But I much yeah. prefer being able to download it as like a, a Word document. It is well, nice you, you, to have it be available to read and like easy to see plain text on the actual website, yeah. but I have to agree with Dragonian. I like being able to download it and read it on my own uh, right. reader. So. And, and Freeder. Reader. Frieder, yeah! Okay. I like having him read me stories. They're fun! Yeah, I was actually talking to Frieder about this very concept like a couple nights ago, and and one of the things I found, that I, the reason I post my writing in TXT files is because it will display it uh, so that you can read it without downloading, but then you still have the option if you right-click on the download link and right. choose download yes, link yes. file, it'll actually save a TXT file to your downloads folder. Bang, bang, you know, bang. When I'm, yes. And when I'm getting something that's an RTF file or a DOC file, I have to download it, which means that mm -hmm. if it's just something I wanted to see, you know, just to get a quick taste of, I then have to go in and delete it from my downloads folder and throw it in the trash. Yeah, uh, can I ask a quick question real fast? Because I is a curious, uh, normally giant and stompy spotty kitty, but now I is tiny. Um, why is it that there are a bunch of different uh, file extensions for both, you know, pictures and writing, but normally pictures, like, sites, not just for affinity, but other sites are like, yeah, we'll accept a JPEG and a PNG and a BitFamily, yeah, we'll accept everything. But then you get to the writing, it's like, oh, DocX? No. Oh, you have a, you have a rich text? Nah, mm, nope. That's... All I let through is TXT and, you know. I think PDF. that's specifically a fur affinity problem because if Is you go it? to SoFurry and Weasel, okay. they accept those formats. All right, never mind then. Because yeah, okay. Then well, no, let's... SoFurry actually has. I think you have to copy and paste it in there. So SoFurry is even even more restrictive. But yeah, well, it's it's not uh, like a it's not like a it's not like a it's I'm not complaining about it. I'm just curious because it's like why is it you know why is it just unacceptable? To clarify, like picture like picture um like extensions and what type of picture it is. That's right. more based on like what what's inside the picture, like what kind of data it stores. That's right. why like GIFs can do moving pictures and JPEGs can't. Whereas right. most writing extensions are more about the program that's saving it. Right. That's why Windows or like Microsoft Word uh, has its own save okay. file. Open Office has its own save file. 
Right. Okay. And, and, it's a different and so programs. many of them are compatible with DOC and DOCX because those are, you know, that's Word and Word's right. the, the 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 standard for that kind of thing. <laughs> but at the same time, that's still a copyrighted Microsoft. That's a copyrighted Microsoft. I think even the file format is copyrighted to Microsoft. Uh, they they may allow other people to use it without having to to pay anything. But I think they it's still own really the rights to it. Actually, really funny that you mention that because if you notice, like when they released 2010. They basically completely reworked the program and how it looks and even some of the stuff of how it works. That's because it was like a, I think it was a firm up in Canada owned like the original source code for like Microsoft Office. And yeah. at one point they finally said, you know what, we don't want you to use it anymore. Give it back. So they had to pretty uh -uh. Much remake their entire word processor from the ground up. Hmm. So remember, kids, protocols are fun. Well, so what were we talking about? Thanks. Writing group. <laughs> We're talking we about on a tangent there. Talking <laughs> about big stompy techs. Titanic so, so techs says, says I'm Fox five. Fusion had this idea. Did, did you both have the idea together or how the how the idea come up, Dragonian? It was kind of a joint venture. Like we both were kinda of like mentioning it offhandedly. I, I think I was the one that originally mentioned it and I did it mostly as a joke and Seth was like, you know what? Wait. We should do this and I was like, you know? We should Wait. and then Wait. it just kinda of spiraled down from there into Yeah, let's do it. Dragonian? I, I I don't understand. What's a hand? What? What's a hand? You said off handed. What what what's a hand? I don't what? My tiny little brain doesn't understand. <laughs> hand paw oh. paw hand okay. same thing. You okay. your semantics. Now I gotta start taking notes of what parts I'm gonna be cutting out of the show. <laughs> Look, I'm Let's sorry. See, are are you not entertained? 2126. Oh, gosh. Fine. Everything by Quandry. Hey, no, that's not the case because I, Quandry edits the show. So you and should Quandry know that you should be taken show. out for posterity. <laughs> I'll take it out and form my own podcast and you guys will be, you guys will be muted. I'm going to make my own podcast with Blackjack yeah. and hookers. In fact, forget the podcast. Just go ahead, go get some black, play some blackjack, and get some hookers. I'll just be over here playing Skyrim, as always. Yes, <laughs> I'm level eighty-eight. So <laughs> you, uh, so, so when you and then uh, I can't want to say Neve, but I know it's not Neve. It's it's Fox Fusion. For some reason, I I, I get th those two names. I don't know why, but they are linked in my mind. Neve and and Fox Fusion Neve Lion, which even though they're not even the same. It's, it's these big muscle macros. That's that's what throws me off, I guess. Oh, I see how it is. You're discriminating against the muscle macros now. Oh, they're yeah, all pretty much. Big loaded chunks of meat. They all look the same. Yeah. I take offense to that, good sir. So so how do you even like like get your fingers, your big thick fat fingers, to even type on a keyboard and, and form words? Oh wow! Uh. Wow! <laughs> wow! Just you don't all want the discrimination no here today. Everyone's no, no, ganging no. up on me. You don't you're just no. jealous. Because you're covered in hair, and I'm smooth and sexy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why you're on a site called Fur Affinity, because you have no fur. Hey, he has hair. Exactly. Cut him a little slack. He's got some. Well, I the more fur you have, the better. to you, you conform it. But I have to agree as well. The more fur, the more floof, the better. <laughs> Rawr! Ugh. Um... So yeah, just you know, kiss and make up and get along so we can get on with the show. Love you. I'm trying to. Oh. 
Don't want to make Matt jealous. Mer? <laughs> what? Marf? <laughs> right? Okay, so, um, so yes. So the riding group, we made that, you know, try to integrate the macro riders a little bit better together and try to help get everyone's name out there. You know, kind of, what, what's the word? Uh, networking. Like, people that watch me may have never heard of Zev, or never heard of you, or never heard of K-Bob or any of them. K-Bob. be able to say, oh, hey, this guy's part of a writing group. You can go there and say, oh, hey, look at all these writers I've never heard of. Let me check them out. That was one of the big reasons we wanted to make it. That, right. and so that we can kind of have, like, a little community where we can share tips and ideas and fun stuff like that. So talk a little bit about that. What ha- what what things have you done, or what things also do you have in mind to do that are... Uh, that you're wanting to try to uh, establish or expand the community with? Well, we're going to start doing like a like a featured writer. We're not 100% sure how often. We're thinking maybe like once a month. But we'll, like, we'll post them up maybe with one of like their, their personal best, at least what they think is their best story up on there. So we can say, this is the guy that we chose to promote for this month. Really cool. We might say like a few things we really like about his story or his writing style or things like that. Um, once the group gets a little more formulated, because, you know, it's still brand new, so we're still trying to figure everything out, we might start having, like, writing contests or something, kind of like the hypnosis contest that uh, Zisseron would do every year. Um, and there's a, there's a bigger project that me and Zev kind of have planned out, but we really don't want to talk about it too much until we make sure the group's actually going to work. Um, but it, it could potentially be something really cool that I think would not only be cool for the writers group to do, but for everyone else to be able to see and hopefully, you know, further improve people's interest in the literary art. Right there. Good show. So, so it does sound like that you guys have, have, you know, gotten some, um, plans and, and we're wanting to try to really help, uh, writers out there. What has been, one of the things that I'm thinking is, is, with a group like this, obviously you're going to help with camaraderie between the group. And, you know, talking about it on a podcast like this is going to help other people who may not be aware of it, you know, find it. But what would be a good, what do you think would be ways that the group or, or writers can do to help, uh, you know, get writing more notice as a whole and specifically individual writers more notice as a whole beyond just the p- people who are already interested in writing on Fur Affinity? Well, for one thing, there's um, we want to help all writers get better. Um, so, like, some of us might have, like, ideas or tips that, of how, like, we write or things that we can use to help better describe or tools that we use in our writing. Like, for example, the, the VMS that uh, Big Scales hosts, or it's, mm-hmm. like, size comparison. So you can use that to help you really visualize how big things would be compared to other things. Uh, tips like that to help improve your writing skills so that everything would be generally a higher quality. Um and then also, like I said, a lot of it is just kind of getting your name out there and getting other people's names out there and trying to get people interested in investing the time into something. Because um, especially, like, as society is evolving into more of a fast-paced, instant gratification type society, it takes a lot more to get people willing to sit down and invest a bunch of time in something um, as time-consuming as, like, reading. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, and and I know that that's probably the main reason that writing is, you know, not seen as high on, on for affinity is because it is just so much more involved than looking at a picture. Uh, I, I, I know that, you know, as, as even the writing that I feel is like my best, uh, when I post it to FA, it always gets maybe half to a third of the favorites that 
the commissioned artwork or gift artwork that I'll post will get. Right. Uh, and, and that's simply because of, of, of people just don't take that time. Also, there's probably also like maybe a language barrier for some people, uh, you know, because as far as Friendly is a international site. But, that's true as well. But in order to help make the, the writing better, like you were saying, what, what really do you find makes a macro or micro-themed short story be a good, you know, a standout macro or micro short story from your personal perspective? One of the biggest things um, that I think like a lot of people, especially me included, I've been trying really hard to improve on this, is being able to give a sense of scale without any kind of actual visual reference. Like being able to portray to someone through solely written word, like how big or small something is in comparison to something else. Because with okay. the picture, you can just say, oh, hey, look, that guy's the size of his toe. But, you know, you have to figure out a way that you can write it down in a way that people will be able to understand in a more interesting way than just he's the size of the guy's toe. Right. You know, you have to, like, imply, like, the size and the the weight of the person that comes with that, the perspective that you're seeing. You're basically having to describe everything that would be normally just drawn. And I think one of the other things you also that, – that you kind of have to avoid – is the repetitiveness factor as far as trying to, whether it's with repetitiveness within the story or repetitiveness across you know multiple stories, uh, exactly. avoiding the same kinds of description, according to the same kinds of you know emotions, or always saying you know he 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 breathed and with each breath he was going bigger. I mean that's something that kind of has become cliche within the the macro within macro and micro writing, uh, and and it's hard to try to find new ways to describe what is more or less at least in some ways, the same thing. Right. Um, like, the best writing I've ever written basically is all about guided imagery. Writing is supposed to be all about guiding the reader's mind into making pictures of itself and letting their imagination form the story for you. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to write in a way where you can guide people's imagination without constraining it so much that they can't picture it very well. And what, uh, you know, I, I know you're talking about your own writing. As far as others' writings that you've seen, what have been good examples of, of that in in the community? Um, DNA, when he used to write, he was really good at the mathematical side of math, or of macro. Um, and then when, like, when he started, like, at the beginning of his stories, he was really good at, like, portraying, like, size and the expansion of it all. But then, mm -hmm. like, you know, kind of how it is, as you got bigger and bigger and bigger, it became more difficult to properly describe things like that. So he started relying purely on numbers, like just saying he's 150 trillion sextillion miles tall, and it just becomes difficult to, like, comprehend that at that point, since you're only going on pure mathematical numbers. Um, you know, some people just, um, some people have difficulty portraying just, like, the actual effect that, say, someone 200 foot tall could have on the world. Like, they, they wouldn't think to explain that every one of this person's footsteps would be causing an earthquake or breaking thing. Yes. Or how, like, a little bitty person would probably be able to be carried away by a errant draft of wind. Do you think that when someone, when a character gets that high, that big, to where the, you know, like you said, their footsteps are causing earthquakes, you know? That's my and, favorite and part whenever I think cities. about macro stuff, by the way. But, One of my favorites. What, does that, does that limit you, though, more from a storytelling perspective, do you think? I don't think it limits you necessarily, but if you're if you're not like thinking about it properly, I think it can make it a lot more difficult to write this. Stuff. 
so how would you so what would be a way that you would then be able to uh to to write it properly with a character that big it depends on the situation like if yeah you're i guess it's hard to say in, in an abstract yeah what uh, you're right it's hard to say in, in the abstract yeah, like this. It, it, it depends on a lot of the situation that he's in. If he's interacting with another person, a good way to do it is to explain how, like, the giants, like, even, like, his smallest movements is affecting the smaller person. Like, just the act of shifting his weight could cause the ground to rumble and make the other person stumble. Or how just him, like, crouching down could just place enough air to, like, blow his way back. Stuff like that. Yes. Um, I love it. It's it just it depends really heavily on the situation that I'm honestly having trouble giving like a definitive answer. And and I do think that one of the things that really with any writing, not just macro micro writing, but you know, even with something that is kind of as fetish based, I guess, as macro micro writing is, effect to make it effective, it really still helps to have a a strong character development in there. Uh, you know, something that's that's one of the things I really admire about Sylvan. Uh, his his writing, even the ones that are that he considers, you know, the porn, the the his, like his story impact that we talked about back in episode two, uh, not impact, um, indelible. Too many eye letters. Impacts the one he wrote about you, Kenson. Yeah, but even the indelible story uh, that he considers, you know, more or less porn, it still has really strong character development. And so when that, I, I don't want to say that the the growth is almost a side part to that, but it, that would be a travesty. Well, yeah, but <laughs> but it is something that it it's an enhancement, I guess, of an already interesting story. Natural story enhancement. Macro. I'm gonna gush here for about three minutes about someone that you've already mentioned, but I just have to gush because I've been wanting to do this for so long. Mm -hmm. K Bob's story, Tap at the Crane, is probably right now my favorite macro micro story that I've ever read in my entire life. Huh. I love that story from moment to end. When I first picked it up, I read through the entire thing in a single day. It's 150 pages long, and it's good enough that I think it needs to be published. Huh. One of the things that I loved so much about it was it, it is rated adult. It has sex in it. It has female sex in it, which immediately turns off like 75% of all furry. But the thing about it was That's it wasn't a porn story. It was a, a deep, interesting character plot development story that used sex as a plot device to further the story and the character development, which I honestly can't remember the last story that I've ever read that used sex as a plot device and didn't just have a plot as an excuse to have sex, which I really, really liked about it. Well, sex, and I... Hmm? Go ahead, I'm sorry. The sex was probably less than 10% of the story. But, and, you know, and, I've and... actually tried to share this story with several people and a lot of them will immediately say, Ew, no, the main character's a girl? Uh-uh, I don't want to touch it. Because, you know, they've got that, like, pornographic mindset about it just because it's rated adult. Give so it to me. They automatically, like, say, no, I don't want any of it. But, I Give mean, it to me. When they, don't think, when they don't think about it as a, as a written story in a novel instead of just a piece of porn. I mean, well, how would it be if people took their sexual preferences in thought whenever they were just reading a normal fantasy novel? Oh, that's got a male main character? I don't want to read it. So let's take let's take a little bit of a of a kind of a deeper look into that. Why do you think that that is the case then with macro micro fiction that it is uh, much more dependent, I guess, on the person's sexual interest? Is it because it is such a fetish based? Uh, yeah, it's because it's fetishized. Subject? I mean, even though like 
like the people that get further into the macro micro community like us and a lot of our listeners they've gotten to that point where they realize it's not all just about the sex but mm-hmm. even like us when we're not thinking about it like the sex most of us our first thought will go to the sexual aspect of it but then after that we'll realize oh well it's not all about sex so we'll come to our senses almost immediately but it it kind of becomes like an ingrained natural thought when you're thinking about the community as a whole i and think then, that you know the less like I don't know how to say that without assigning derogatory. The other people, (laughs) the other people, they are pretty much just in entirely for the sex, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just how it is. Well, I do think also that there is, you know, that's kind of the same thought that I was mentioning somewhat uh, last in the mini episode last week about how kind of I I kind of wish I was bisexual because then I'd be able to enjoy more and, and more art and stuff. And it's it's something that even for things that aren't sexualized to me when it comes to to macro micro art and writing i tend to enjoy it more with someone who i am you know who, who matches my sexual interest if that makes sense yeah and i get I, that and there's nothing wrong with that well i'm not disagreeing with you there are you saying that you think there's nothing wrong, or there's something wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. Okay. It's just Actually, I, mean, I am disagreeing with you. I do think that there may be something wrong with that. Well, <laughs> um, there's nothing wrong with it in the sense that it's understandable and acceptable. There's something wrong with it in the sense that ideally it shouldn't be like that. that well, I sense? guess, and I guess it's also just true that even for, you know, writing uh, outside of the macro micro community, within, uh, within books and, and video, you know, everything. I am much more interested in playing or, or reading or seeing a, seeing a, a movie or story about a male character and even more so a gay male character. And that's something that is probably something I need to change. But at the same time, we all have our interests. We all have things that maybe even help us relate to the story a little bit better. And I think that, that, is, you know, that that's what kind of leads to that. I'm just here for the pause. <laughs> of course you are. Yes. I have to I have my to entire uh... deep try my attempt to be deep there, Kenson. Well, <laughs> well, I have to say I do have a very I mean I do have a very innocent uh way of looking at everything macro and micro because I just kind of stayed quiet right there cuz I was just listening. I didn't really have any input cuz I'm like I don't I I don't really you know, I don't really have anything to say, but uh on the flip side of it um yes i am straight but i don't pick up a story immediately like if it's a macro micro story i don't pick it up immediately like with like the impression it's oh it's a girl so it's gonna be better or it's like oh it's gonna be a guy so it's not gonna be as good no it's like what i truly go after and it's not even i don't even know if this is gonna make sense it might or it might not it's not even a sexual thing i just love reading about big stompy paws i just i get tons of enjoyment out of it it's just when you think about that kind of situation when i can put myself into that mindset and hear someone else describe a a looming macro several stories high or bigger and every single situation like when you said the whole thing about each one of the paw steps being an earthquake that's one of my favorite things to visualize and like when that macro flicks their toes it just rumbles the ground like Ever since I was really, really little, just that pure essence of the size. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I see what you did there. Uh Let me out of here! (laughs) Um, But it's just always been that, like, 
I just really love thinking about the size difference. I don't really, I mean, me personally, I've, if I can pull this into a more personal perspective, I've never had sex. I don't know what it's all about. So for now, it's really innocent. And so I guess I have a third opinion about it. I don't know if it's even classified as a third opinion. But whenever I read a macro micro story, it truthfully is just about the pause and the stomps and like trying to picture that in reality. So. Well, I think that almost even then undercuts the whole idea about working about character development and I didn't mean to say it like that. Ugh. Why is it whenever I say something that I think is going to come across perfect that doesn't? I, I, I kind of I understand like what that. you're saying. I understand yeah. what you're saying. I think you're saying that the 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 part that draws you in the the right. fetishy part is the is about the. It's not even a fetish though. It's it, I'm not saying fetish in like a specifically sexual thing, but right. in, in a broader right. term, like an interest that is. It's definitely uh, the key. It's the yeah. it's the hook most okay. definitely. Uh, I have to say though, like I can get attached to a character just as quick as anybody, if not quicker. Like when I read a good story, even even you know a story that may be considered by some people is, I don't like using this word, but mediocre. I can get attached to a character because you know I'm I'm really sensitive. I am able to adapt. I'm able to throw my heart out in places and reel in stuff. So. You know, if there's a story that's only about pause, awesome. If there's a story that's only about that's about pause and stumps, and there's a really, really awesome like character and c- conflict and something going on there, that's even better. It's just bonus upon bonus upon bonus. Like, I have really low expectations. I guess that's just what I'm gonna. I guess that's what I'm gonna say it as. <laughs> and I would also like to think, you know, going back real quick to what you're saying about people. Dragonian was saying about people that. Uh, you know, have when they see that something's evolving a female character, they instantly kind of push it away. And the same kind of mindset that I was referring to. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's almost something that is the result of being a member of a somewhat discriminated against minority group. You know, being a gay man, that is, you almost want to, when you get a community, when you get a subject that gay, you know, that, that gay interest or, or at least you know, male things can, can thrive right. in and, and, and you can kind of grab your hold, your hold, your yeah. grab a hold around it, right. then you might want to try to push away anything that you feel is, right. is coming in because of that whole idea that, you know, you've got the rest of the world, you've got, you know, 90% of the, of the outside world is straight. Let me have this area of mine that is, you know, yeah. for me at least gay uh, or, or male based. And, Mm-hmm. And that's really something that I think is in many ways unhealthy, uh, and it's in many ways yeah. uh, True. something that we need to evolve beyond. Yeah, uh, you know, regardless of whatever caused it. But then you on the flip lie. side, like, like I, I, I've, I've seen that a lot in both cases. It's not just one-sided. Like, there's also someone, and I admit personally, whenever, um, like, you've written a couple stories that you've liked me to read, the first time you ever asked me to read something, and you told me there was, you know this kind of stuff in there. At first I was kind of hesitant, but then I read it and it was okay. So it's not that, you know, I was terrified of it first, but whenever you break out and try to do something new, it is scary. Like it's not something that people are like, yeah, let me break out of my comfort zone. I'm going to rush. I'm going to rush. Yeah. Like, you know, most everyone is kind of, oh, it's new. It's scary. Because sometimes like I- I've, I've described the fandom as a whole sometimes to all the humans around me. Like, you know, uh, I've basically said, um, 
you know, we're just, we're different. You know, you don't have to be afraid of us. And then I've also explained to, uh, you know, several other fuzz butts of mine that so, uh, two of the most um, common responses to anything new is fear and disgust. Like, those are two really, really common responses. So anything, like, even though we're furries and we're different, there's still stuff that goes on that is new to us and different to us in ways. And it's really easy to just, you know, push it aside and just be like, eh, no, I don't like. If, um, you know, there is a good, there is good behind being closed-minded in a sense and being safe and secure. No one has to force you to do anything you don't want to do. That's very true. But the open-mindedness, uh coming in basically and saying just you know try it you don't have to commit to it that's i think that's a really big misconception of uh today's society because you think oh if i'm gonna try something then i i have to do it it's like i'm being forced to no like i can read a, a gay novel i can read a complete and utter sex scene with two males and I cannot, you know, bat an eye because I know what I'm reading. I know what I'm getting myself into. And it's not something that I necessarily like, but I'm reading it because I'm just trying it. It's not something that, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's evil and dicky oh, because I'm straight. It shouldn't be that way ever. And so when it comes to anything writing-wise, I always want to give it a chance. I never want to be like, oh, no, it's, it's this. So I won't. Eh. I always try to, you know, try new stuff. So. I'd like the listeners to take about five seconds to imagine Kenson reading a story with the Nagusta face. Thank you. And continuing. <laughs> so we were talking about this writing group thing, uh, and, and then we kind of totally lost the road. No, and... stompy tangents are fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, it sounded like you were about to say something, though, before Kenson went on onto on that subject. Uh, right. Was there something that you were... Uh, so, so basically, I was just going to say... There's nothing wrong at all with wanting to attach to a character that you can heavily like relate to, like a, right. like a gay man or some woman, like you know, mm-hmm. attaching to a lesbian woman or mm-hmm. something like that. But and it's perfectly healthy to do that. But don't push away other things just because it doesn't have exactly right. what Kinson was saying. Don't mm-hmm. be closed-minded if something doesn't have like the thing that you immediately like magnetized to right it's right. possible to have a balance. It's uh the only reason we ever wait for it grow in anything is by expanding outside of our boundaries so we we like to grow so why not just go with that flow you know hey man go with the flow man you can grow outside the world no bad kitty i'm getting the squirt model all right, so, uh, Dragoni, was there anything else you wanted to say about the writers group? Uh, anything else that we need to know about it? Writers rock! Sorry. Um, just that it's on FA, uh, short stories, or user slash short stories and tall tales. We've got our user list up. Uh, we're all, always adding people to it. We've already got over 30 members. Awesome. Um, come check us out. Check some of the writers out. We've got some great writers in here. Um, expand your literary knowledge and enjoy the writing. Yes. Awesome. I will and... definitely have to check that out. And, and hopefully... uh, I'll make sure to link it into the show notes thing where we put links and stuff. Yes. By the way, um, I'm still very young, and I tried writing out uh, like a couple years ago, uh, and you were pretty much the in- the entire reason, Big Brother. Uh, but I haven't gotten to it in a while. I do want to get back to it, and eventually, when my schedule slows down, I would like to actually hone my writing skills, hone my pod pen 
and and Paul or whatever, however you ever you would say it. I do want to hone it, so hopefully you guys are a lot bigger when I go to do it because I want to actually be a part of it. Okay, so uh, we are space. Okay, bangs okay. on dome. Boom, 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 boom. We are in the uh, section for. Yes. Sorry, Louisville just got an reception. <laughs> <laughs> Falls off the table from banging on dome. <laughs> All right, macros in space. Yeah. Space. And micros, not just macros. But... Dad, are you space? Yes. So now we are a be... family again. Space. So this this seems like the one that that Kenson and Dragonian were both real, just psyched about <laughs> talking about. Uh, yes. So I'm, I'm gonna let you guys kind of go off to start. You know, go explode. Explode. Yeah. Well. Dragonian. Okay, Kenson, would you like to gush, or would you like me to go into hard science first? <laughs> uh, I, uh, I don't know. I kind of want to... Uh, why don't we Why don't we talk a little bit about... We, we'll leave the gushing for, for a little bit later. Why don't we talk about okay. just the basic concepts of uh, right. what, would, what would a spacefaring society, like something you see in Star Trek or Stargate mm-hmm. or anything like that... Uh, I guess Star- does Stargate actually have starships in it? I've only seen the movie and... I don't actually think it had a starship. Here's the short version, and as much as I hate to say this, it would absolutely suck giant balls to be a macro in a spacefaring society. It would and why suck is that? Hardcore. Explain. Elaborate. Number one. Why would that be, Mister Mister Dragonian? Number one. Good sir, I am Captain Dragonian. Oh, mm, maybe right. Commander Dragonian. Uh... Oh, you're the captain. How's about Ensign? How about Ensign? Yeah, I think, I think both me and Kenson are agreeing this should be Ensign. Uh-huh. Ensign Hitsume, what say you? Although, actually, Kenson, you I'm be... I'm Commander Dragonian. I think you should be the Ensign. This is my favorite podcast on the internet. <laughs> Ensign Dragonian, report. I think you should be you should be an Ensign, Kenson, because then you'd be Ensign, Kenson. Ha! Okay. Can I and be an Ensign? I'll never get promoted. Yes. You're going to stay at Ops forever. Nobody knows. And then first, first away mission, you'll go down and, and get vaporized by the tar monster. I could just go down and, you know, clear out the area. Like yeah, I forget how. I, that, that Pops really out of a spaceship, episode. grows to the, the size of The season of Tech Generation was just bad. There was like one okay. or two good episodes in that season. So, here's why it was sucked to be a macro in a spacefaring society. Here's space travel and living in space is all about minimizing your usage of resources. Because True. you're in space, like say a space station, all of your resources are severely limited. Right. You have to recycle everything, or you have to bring in supplies from the outside. Macros, obviously, would use magnitudes more air, food, energy, everything than anyone else. Have you never so heard of a replicator? Huge drains on resources. Well, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, in Star Trek, the... the the limited resources kind of don't exist really Replicator. because of the replicator. Yay! If you watch Voyager, while yes, they have... Well, okay, yes. But Voyager food. is not your typical situation in Star Trek. Voyager is mm-hmm. where something went horribly, horribly wrong and, and they're, they're stuck with the results. Well, well, after well seven, who's to say that something wouldn't go horribly, horribly wrong with a macro on board? Because furries already break things and ruin things. What happens if you make one huge? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> the replicators, if you actually look in the technical manual, well. which I have over on my... Uh, uh, on my counter, um, nice. it's my part. It's, it's my ex's. He he let me borrow it, and, and I've not actually given it back yet. But <laughs> oh, um, they use the, the 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 things they use to make the the replicated items is uh is it's is waste. Poop. Yep, it's crap. Yeah, and, and so a For macro makes lots of crap. Lovers. A macro could feed the whole crew. Oh gosh. 
Oh, I just thought let's, of Jurassic let's, Park. Let's just skip right past mm. that specific fact for a that's moment. Just, that's one of my favorite. Fact that, well, yes, that's they, one of my favorite parts of Star Trek, reconstituting matter, but they have to do it by expending large quantities of energy. So the more that they're having to produce with the replicator, the more energy it's taking. But that's the thing is is that with the with the warp drive technology and the um uh the the what's the crystal the, the, the lithium. Um, and and the other kinds of, of, of they'd be giving they it have, that extra. They oof. have enough energy to be able to do all that. <laughs> Yay! What else you got, Dragonian? Come on, come on, bring it, bring it. What you got? Mm. That energy isn't unlimited. Have you not seen how many times they've run out of energy or run low on energy? That's because they're always trying to run away from something. for most of the systems. In the ship. But it's that's not because always... But it's 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 in a situation where they're always running uh, from something. Though they're using every ounce of energy to... they've got to get away yeah. from something. <laughs> Normally. You also have to keep in mind that it's not just the food that's the problem. Everything about them is using up more. They're using more yeah, oxygen, true. so environmental control would have to work a lot harder. Right. There but they're also producing more carbon dioxide, which can then be you just you just counteract that with having a lot of plants on board. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, a lot more sorry, plants to let a macro breathe than it would be a whole crew of normal people. Do you remember how the first season of Next Generation the Dragonians Enterprise just basically just going, looked like a ball? Let me be right. Sorry. Um, well, like, if there was macros on board a spaceship, wouldn't that spaceship naturally be larger? Way well? larger. Yeah. Which so... also means it would take more energy to propel it forward. That's true. more mass to be moved forward. Right. But here's the thing. What if the macro was the spaceship? Oh, god! You stole that from Kenson. No, I didn't. Ah, you might have. No, I had Kenson this... said that, like, three times in the mini-episode. Like, that was, like... He was waiting the entire episode just so he could say that. <laughs> I, I think he's hey, it's about true. How one of his spots was the black in the universe. Right. Well, but also, yeah. but just just being the spaceship too. First off, let's <laughs> are we going to throw it into pseudoscience and try to make it realistic, or are we just going to say this macro can breathe in space? I like the pseudoscience. Uh, of course, okay. I mean, it's macro, so you have to ignore some laws. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so how would a macro be a spaceship then? What I don't do? know, but it would probably be nasty and squishy and wet and gross. But there's no moisture in spawn or in... So, so... I know what you're saying now. The answer to that is from a really <laughs> bad episode of The Next Generation, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, The Encounter at Farpoint, the, the first episode of the series. At the end of, of that episode, they, uh, they realize that this whole spaceship thing that appeared uh, is actually a living <gasps> organism, basically yeah. a space jellyfish. Wait a <laughs> and, minute. Uh, I just thought of something. Since it's a futuristic society, androids exist, right? So, I actually, um, the reason how I thought of this, I has a cybernetic wolfie friend, uh, Silent Paul. And he lives in this day and age, which means he's an android living in this day and age, which means we already have the technology. In the future, we're going to be able to, you know, make it expand and grow and just, you know. And it could probably end up being a cybernetic uh anthro spaceship that you would, know would has its own just, brain and can do its own thing and yeah would that basically just be a a gundam then like a space a spaceship gundam yes that would be awesome so here's the question if it's space why why would they need to make it like a humanoid shape when they can make it a far more efficient like ship shape? because then because you could have that that humanoid shape when a, when an enemy comes up just form a fist for you. and well, that, it, that, that it could also that... well, it could also if it needs be like if there's an intergalactic war or something. Like if it's a spaceship that's 
you know, the size of the Starship Enterprise, which is a huge ship, but it would be bigger because it would be macros and micros on the ship. It'd be towering, you know, thousands of feet tall, which means it would be a good weapon. Gosh. (laughs) Macro, macro spaceship fist fights. That's the end of the Lap fights. Test your might. <laughs> well, well, think about it. Remember in Spaceballs how uh, the the ship transformed yeah. to the, the <laughs> Statue of Liberty with the back. Oh gosh. <laughs> that, that and that kind of thing. It, it, it's it's already been in media. I mean, that that's a classic movie at this point. Uh, and so it's you know it, it, it's it's realistic, right? You know, I just thought of it's oh. like it's like um it's like the kit for space. Like off of Knight Rider, it's just it's so it's more advanced than anything ever. It's just like only the Galactic Federation or whatever you would call it, like this this society would have it. It's the only one of its kind. So that's what the story would be based around or something. Like it's just this it's this giant uh ship that is a it's a furry, but it's also a cybernetic and it's got its own brain and you know, it's just adventure, right? All the stuff. I like that idea. Someone should make Space. a story about the final it. Frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Rainbow Celestia. Yes! To be a giant My Little Pony fighting anthro robot spaceship. Or Rainbow, uh, or, um, uni- is it Rainbow Unicorn Attack? Adult Swim Games? Uh, but, something like that. So, so let's try to, uh, let me think, keeping on macro, but maybe getting off of the idea of a, you know, a... Being a ship? Uh, well, a cyber, a cybernetic, or a you know, a android life form. Right. Uh, th- there are already you <gasps> see oh a gosh, lot of a gigantic with, data. with macros in space because you know, they've outgrown the planet or whatever, or the galaxy or whatever. And and we talked about that kind of last week with uh, uh, Stampy's art. And, and I guess one of my spots. How could that that kind of thing, if a macro were to grow that big, how could that be twisted to be useful for society? Huh. Uh, oh. Honestly, the only immediate answer that comes to mind is terraforming. Terraforming? Oh, oh. Like the Genesis Project from Star Trek Two. they could re- reform the entire uh, planet. Interesting. Well, eh. Yeah, so it's not necessarily always a doomsday device. I mean, terraforming is just the action of well, right. making a planet more habitable. Wait I mean, a the minute. Gen- the Genesis Project was not a doomsday device as it intended. You know, I it just thought could of... be used as that. You know, I just thought of Titan A.E. Do you guys remember that movie? Yes, that was well. No, that wasn't technically terraforming. That was building a planet. Right, but, but still. Like for example, if we go to Mars, well, there you right go, now and we plant trees, that's terraforming. Uh, and, and, and there you go. That that could be another use that they could do is not just terraforming, but building artificial planets. I mean, that's according to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's how Earth came into uh, into being. Was that it was huh. a artificial planet created by the the I forget the names of the aliens, but but hmm. by another another species huh. to answer the life, the universe, and everything. Interesting question. I mean. Hmm. 42. 42. <laughs> um, okay. Man, well, I really well, wish like, that movie from like, few, from 10 years ago or so had been better. Like, what do you mean <laughs> by terraforming, though? Because how does that tie in directly with, uh, like, for example, me being huge and one of my spots taking up a quadrant of the universe? How would that help well, with terraforming? Well, that big, there's not really anything you can do. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, well, how, like, my, my fingers would be the size of multiple galaxies. How would I build stuff and do stuff you I could, that's you what could we were talking push about. away galaxies to form new galaxies so it's gala forming or galaxy, that's true well i guess i guess since i'm a kitty and i has all kinds of dexterity i could but still that'd be hard but like when i when i was thinking of like macros and micros in space i was thinking more of like how the society would work in a less 
as much as I hate limiting it because just you know, it gets kind of ridiculous at that point. There's not I, much you can say about it. Less than planetary size. As much as oh, I know that contradicts the entire concept. You only say that because you've never been planetary sized. Um, <laughs> sir, I've actually outgrown the multiverse multiple times. I don't see any, any so proof of it. There's no so art on your, on your uh, gallery the multiverse? Go ask Achak. We used to do it all the time. Yeah, but no, no, you gotta have, gotta have picture proof. Photo, photo proof. Hmm. I Nothing. mean, I have a picture of Dragonian when he's like big enough to hold galaxies in his finger. I'm not seeing it. It's done by Matt. Hmm. What was that? Um, it was done by Matt, but anyway. Oh, I um, just I just thought of something like that saying, might. I mean, I mean, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it couldn't work for macros to be like in space and on spaceships and stuff. They could definitely make it worse. I'm just saying it would take a huge amount of resources and compared to even a normal person, or more ideally, micros. Micros would be the perfect space explorers. That's they true. take the minimal amount of resources. They huh. would need a way smaller ship. They could work in a much smaller confined space. Like fly me so, to like, the moon. What, but let's say you're planning like a, a mission to go like colonize and terraform a planet. Get a, a whole bunch of micros together. Maybe bring along like two macros. The micros can go with like same amount of supplies for a year that like a whole crew of like normal sized people would go through in a day. Right. And then when they get to the planet, they can like wake up the macros from their cryo sleep or whatever they're in, and then the macros sure. would be able to help with the terraforming process. I they have clear away land and plow fields and stuff like that in a matter of seconds using just themselves where it would take like huge amounts right. of machinery to be able to do that otherwise. I think I have a an all around ultimate solution for all of this uh Make for all of these problems. Well, hold on. I actually um I don't have a size limit and I can also grow and shrink. I can also manipulate objects to grow and shrink as well. So, if there was a crew member or multiple crew members that could do that, then you would just need that crew. Because they could be different sizes, they could be tiny, they could make the ship tinier when they were needing to not use a lot of resources. And when they need to terraform, they could be huge. Or when they're in attack, they could just grow huge, or what have you. Having that size-shifting capability would make everything, like, best. Because it would, And that, you know, that works, and you're totally right. But that's kind of why I didn't touch on it, because it, it is the easiest answer to everything, and it immediately right. fixed all the problems, right. and would make the conversation end in 30 seconds. Well, then I guess I'm not going to be doing space travel, then, because I guess I'm not, I'm, I, I guess I'm overqualified. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's exactly it. You're overqualified. <laughs> I have a PhD in size shiftiness. All right. Well, so then I guess I'll just stick here on Earth and guard this quadrant. <sighs> Well, so then if that's the case, then let's try to take this into a little bit different direction. Oh? Let's say first contact. We're meeting our first uh, alien race. Hi! Stomp, 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 stomp. But, but that smoosh. alien race ah! is 50 feet tall. Okay, that's fine. I could glomp them over but a, they come a in few peace. space stations. Yeah. Well, glomps are peaceful. They just look like they're not. <laughs> And then Kenton started an intergalactic incident. Yeah. But I just start purring, and then it's like, aw, he's okay. He's releasing an attack growl. Aw, <laughs> oh, no, so, so, I love you. I start so, rubbing up against their faces, and it's a sign of affection. Would they take that wrong? He's trying to infect us with their alien diseases. What are oh, all I... these spots all over him? Ah! <laughs> but let's try to think about, like, going back to, to classics in, in, in media, you know, Star Trek or whatever. 
Um, it all turns most, out bad, though. Well, most international, most most other species are humanoid size. At least most species that have uh, you know relations with the the uh, whatever the main government is, well, whether it's in Star Trek. The, before we go the, on, uh, confederate the Federation or whatever. Right before it's we go on, I has uh, this question: Are we going to be talking about a first encounter? Like, um, like you know, another species, or big, like that's you know, well, potentially well, me, wanting me, to barter. Let me try stuff. to maybe modify the question a little bit here. Um, what if, uh, well, how would relations work with a uh, a species that there was a significant size difference with if they uh, wanted to have, uh, you know, actual diplomatic and and trade and and, and all that kind of stuff? Well, there would have to be a um, oh, what's it called? I was in macroeconomics. About two terms ago, I should know what this uh, this term is. Uh, it, it, it's the term for when two societies have something that each other needs, and it benefits them so that the trade works perfectly. Like, for example, symbiosis? there's... Symbiosis? Huh? Symbiosis? Well, symbiosis isn't really an no, no. economic term. Well, it, it, <laughs> I, I really need to... Oh my gosh, I'm sorry! My professor would, you know... Wrap me upside the head, but I mean, like mutual mutual beneficial relationship or something, something like that. Like that. Yeah, it's something. It's mutual something. But like for example, if the micro society uh, possesses um, a really really high powered form of energy that can be utilized for a lot of things and it doesn't take up a whole lot of space, and it's something that the macros need. Whereas the macros have something like you know food ridiculously large amounts of food or ridiculously large amounts of something that they could provide if that trade were to happen equally it would benefit both parties so are we talking like that or are we talking like i'm gonna take all your stuff well i i guess i guess what i'm thinking is is what would there need to is there something that there would need to be to balance things out in order for the relationship to be a peaceful relationship i mean yes. can a society an entire planet full of of creatures that are you know, ten times the size or right. fifty times the size of another um, society or another another planet full of creatures. Um, uh, can um, they peacefully coexist uh, without? You know, and, and if so, what would there what would need to be there to uh, to let that peacefully coexist? Yes, and I'm gonna gonna go ahead and say that the expectations for a certain party would be very, very, very high in order for there to be a peaceful environment. Uh, the macros would need to uh, have complete and utter understanding they would have to pretty much get rid of all greed they would have to get rid of all uh violence they'd have to get rid of all uh you know wanting to take over because hello they're huge they could easily take over a micro colony or community that doesn't have you know the ability to defend themselves but then if you do that that causes war so the mic the macros would need to be peaceful in complete and utter general. So let me go ahead and pull a logical in here. Well, well I kind of like, like to hear what, what you know, Dragonian seems like he's about to say something. I'd like to hear what he'd like to say on that. Yes, sir. At the risk of being the guy that always tries to take the more difficult and or less devil's advocate way of looking at things. You have horns. If they're like at least generally like similar to like us, right. I think that one of the first immediate things that would come to the macro's mind would probably be a sense of superiority hey, over people that are literally one tenth their size. Right. Which would, you know, probably bring back a, a yep. instinctual or natural feeling of entitlement over them. Yeah, you know, they're literally ten times the size of the people they're bargaining with. So it's like, well, I mean, I guess you guys kind of owe us because you know we're so much better than you. Right. We're bigger. Yeah, and can um, I have to say, 
you know, just you, you, just a little bit of a uh, a step outside real fast and just looking at it from a different perspective. Um, us as yeah, furs, just in general, we call ourselves furries. I don't know about anyone else, but me, I, I, I am a furry because I like being different. In a sense, I don't want to give up my humanity. I want to be better than like the the stereotypical, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm better, entitlement. I want to be above that. So I, I just pray to God that those macros wouldn't be anything like like humanity, I guess. Well, that's you can't you can't think of it as in an individual term. You have to think of it as a society. Right. Uh, like like if if us as a society, if we did space, uh, you know, we got to space and we started exploring right. the rest of the galaxy, and we were to find a planet that uh, had inhabitants that were a tenth of our size, right? Um, would oh, it be gosh. something that be you know, bad. given our current mindset? If that were to stay the same, would we be trying to to dominate them and, and take over them? I honestly, uh, I hate myself for about to say this, but I would say, yeah, eventually it would get to the point where we would, because and not not to say that I don't have any faith in humanity, but it's just it would get to a point where we're like, well, they're not agreeing with us. Well, they're tiny. Let's take them over. And yeah, what do you think, Dragonian? Mm. He's pretty much right. I don't I mean, like being a realist. A ba- Help me. <laughs> well, I don't think it's a bad thing to. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad as bad of a thing as you're looking at it. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not like we're a horrible. Well, no, no, we're not. I'm not saying that. Well, I guess we're I'm trying just, to. I'm Hollywooding it up in my head, like you know. Um, well, and we're I, not perfect. No one is. And yeah. I also think um, that in order to get to the point to where we could do that kind of thing, it would have to be kind of like a, a, a society, kind of like Star Trek, where right. it is the whole you know a one world government, and and, have, and nations have kind of been abolished. Right. Uh, and and in that, then the attitude is much more ones of not. Dominating, but exploring, right? And so, because, so like, that could be, you know, they could avoid that kind of thing. Yeah, and this that's is a that's side perfect. Tangent about that. Um, I can never remember what it's called, but there's this like scale that a scientist developed that's supposed to be able to describe when a society is advanced enough to like be able to successfully colonize space, mm-hmm. and there are really? a bunch of requirements on it. Like you have to be able to have your planet almost entirely self-sufficient without depleting your resources. You have to have a unified government. Um, and a bunch of other stuff like that. Huh. And, like, he got together with a bunch of, like, psychologists and anthropologists and sociologists and a whole bunch of other ologists. Huh. And they all, all sat ologists. down and they thought about it for a while. Interesting. And they came up with there only being three ways that the planet Earth will ever have a unified government. And then they figured out which ones are most likely. Either we have a cultural revolution, which means we all decide to come together and form a single, like, unified come whole together. without any bloodshed. Which right would kind of be like now. the whole Star Trek thing. Um, there's well, Star Trek. Oh, no, that's not Star Trek at all. Grand World War, where the winner takes all. That's Star Trek. <laughs> well, uh, not one all, country but... just kills everyone else and then gets, you know, gets uh, control of the planet. Yeah. Or the third one is we have some kind of outside third-party source that attacks us and forces us to combine together as a single entity. Whether it be like aliens attacking, it would be or Q. Some kind of like viral outbreak or something like that. It would well, be Q. So kind of like, like what happened in Mass Effect, though. Yeah. After they sat down and figured this out, they figured out it's more likely for aliens to come and invade the planet than it is for us to be able to unify peacefully. <laughs> oh, well, I think I think that maybe a combination of the two, uh, uh, kind of like what Star Trek did, where where it really is a combination of number one and number two. They did have the world war, you know, world war that decimated <laughs> the planet, and then after that, realizing how bad. That humanity we done screwed up. Over, then yeah. they they came together in a cultural revolution and decided to abolish things like currency and mm-hmm. and and was able to 
uh, to help. At the same time, it also was helped that they had first contact with the Vulcans. Uh, yeah, it, it was actually out. more of like a combination of the Cultural yeah. Revolution and the Third Party, because the war didn't really have much to do with it. When the Vulcans came, it kind of gave them that whole, well, the oh my war God, gave our them planet the... is so tiny kind of perspective. The and war, the though... Vulcans helped them unify. But the war gave them the perspective they needed to say, okay, this is what we've been, f- this is what we've come from. This is what we know our society is going to do if we keep on going down this path of of fighting each other and, and of, of having nation states Guys. Uh, dominate the politics. Guys. And that's what kind of helped them be in the right mindset. You know what I just thought of that just, uh, it tied it in with the whole an alien contact and you know all that if an alien contact did happen and all that kind of stuff did work out i I thought of the abyss in the sense that this alien race would have to be so ridiculously powerful that we would have no chance to succumb however they're not here to take us over like if we could go out and colonize peacefully like that like because those aliens were living at the bottom of the ocean for years Hundreds of years, thousands of years, and they were watching us destroy destroy each other. With you know the the movie at the very end being that the aliens show their power, they're about ready to flood the entire Earth in one whoosh of a uh, several mile tall tidal wave, and they stop right before the coastline and say, "This is the kind of power we have. Either you get along with each other, or we're going to end it." It would be it would have to come to that kind of style. And then we could, you know, we'd be, okay, yeah, we got it. Ah, yeah. But could that really be a successful piece when it's only accomplished through, That's, like, you're right. threats? You're right. And, and oh, you see, I'm, I'm much more optimistic about humanity that I don't think right. it would have to come to that. I think that well, we yeah. – th- think of how far we've come in the last – 150 years right you know we've gotten to a point to where we do kind of have at least a one world culture yes. uh, for the most part maybe maybe 85 percent of the world has very similar culture mm-hmm. uh, maybe not that high but 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 you get what i'm saying where yeah. where the american culture really has been the one that has been exported to the rest of of, of the society and even because though we have different nation states capitalism yeah. well we've all we've all kind of i think most of the countries in the world have realized that <laughs> they do kind of have to coexist and cooperate and and that's something right. that you know, going back even to the 1920s and, and or 1910s right. and what led up to World War One and then World War Two after that, mm. it was not there. Uh, and I think part of that was yeah. because of what happened in World War One and World War Two that that yeah. the countries realized that they do kind of have to come together and, and then the threat of nuclear war in the Cold War. So right. I think that if you give another 100 years or 150 years, that there is definitely a good chance that that could then evolve to get more and more... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, more and more unified, more and more right. uh, united. And then also give it about another 100, 150 feet, and we're set for space! I honestly give it about Let's 70. Let's I like to be optimistic about humanity, but I also right. have to be realistic. I, I, and, uh, I'm not saying it's like definitely going to happen, I'm just saying it, I'm it, optimistic. It, 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 there's a good chance I it could to have, I didn't mean to have a realistic tangent. I feel I feel icky now. I'm not a realist. <laughs> uh, well, um, because I'm like, oh. I mean, like another one of the things that they theorize is there's like a, a mathematical proof that they've used to try and figure out like how many like alien species there are in the other in the rest of the galaxy for with as far as we or how big we know it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they figured it out basically like they're calculating how many uh like habitable planets there could be in the rest of the galaxy, um, and how many like civilizations like ours would develop on them right. and then they like used a whole bunch of other really complicated math that to be blunt i don't understand <laughs> um to figure out like how likely each of these societies were to basically destroy themselves um and only one out of every like i think it was twenty thousand civilizations 
would be able to survive long enough to uh, develop like interplanetary travel, like to go outside of their solar system. Hmm. And the rest of them would end up destroying their own civilization with their technology or with war or something before they were able to develop to that point. I mean, it's kind so of we only have like a one in twenty thousand chance, according to this mathematical proof, to be able to get to that point without destroying ourselves. But at the same time, we've also gotten Go! past Dice a lot roll! of threats that would you know potentially destroy. I mean, the chances that humanity that would have destroyed the planet or destroyed society are a lot less now than they were in the 60s and 70s. You know, I think I think that that chance probably peaked in the Cuban Missile Crisis 1962. Well, or... there's I, I don't know. I mean, with especially with how technology is advancing at this point, all it would take is one crazy guy in a tiny little state of 400 people that can build a doomsday device that can blow up the whole planet. Uh, I don't think I don't think a doomsday device is, is that likely. You're starting to make it sound. You're starting to make this uh, space this space adventure or pre space adventure start off like a James Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the thing, you know, those James Bond the doomsday devices that go in there are require either really huge amounts of resources or are just not really realistic. Well, we can do huge. And you also have to keep in mind that it doesn't have to be intentional. We could totally accidentally destroy ourselves too. Hey, Joe! We start experimenting hey, with antimatter technology and we just blow up the planet totally by accident. Yeah. Uh, let me just grab my coffee. Whoops! And, uh, well, alert, like the whole Higgs boson thing. I, I mean, those I mean, people I, were stupid for thinking it was going to create a black hole. That's one of those. But there was still that tiny, insignificant chance but, that if it had happened, we would have destroyed the planet. But that's one of those things you can't really factor in because, the, I mean, you, you, could, you could just say, well, you know, the chances of a dragon flying out of, of your antimatter device and eating up all the, the scientists are just as likely. I mean, you can't really plan for that kind of thing. Yeah, Dragonian, what did you do? You why did you, why did you eat all those poor scientists? Dragonian! <laughs> they were only going to get to space! I'm just trying to be realistic about it. But we have gotten way off topic, and I will take the blame for that. It's okay. Well, Dragonian, maybe if you wouldn't have eaten all those nice scientists who were trying to get us to space, we would have more cue cards. But no. You just had to get hungry. I swear. Look, I got hungry. I wanted some brain. You, 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 you see this? You see this ecodome? You see this pterodome I'm in right now? You're next. I mean, come on! I have to eat chemists periodically. Ha! At least, uh, at, at lo as long as you bury them after you're done. All right, I'm calling a I'm calling a ceasefire here. This is <laughs> red gotten way too. The puns <laughs> have gotten way too hot and heavy. Us? We were gonna tell some of the other chemistry jokes, but all the good ones are gone. Ha! And oh, Dragonian, thank yeah. you for joining us. We'll we'll uh. you'll, you'll you'll be on sometime. No, just kidding. Hey. Uh, <laughs> But one thing oh, I think wow, we kind of did gloss over just for a chemistry joke. Oh, no, it was two two bad chemistry puns. Henson, two laundry's throwing sodium chloride at That's me. That's assault. <laughs> so one thing we kind of glossed over I love uh, that I do want to spend a little more time with is the idea of micros and 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 how would that uh, you know affect space travel and how, how you know what what kind of roles would they play. Hmm. Yeah, I think you had some ideas for that, Dragonian. Did you well, eat them well, like all? Like I said, pretty much micros would have all the advantages. In space, there's not really much of like environmental hazards that you would right. come across because all of your environment is built yourself. So they would easily mm -hmm. be able to build everything around them to fit their size. They would take less resources. Uh, they right. 
they could basically just do with less, so they would pretty much have every advantage as long as they're in space. Right. Or if they land on a planet, they come into contact with all the micro problems. But right. So, so, so maybe that's maybe that's the solution then is mm-hmm. to factor into the transporter technology size change to where yes. you're really really tiny when you're up in space, and then when you beam down to the planet, you can be you know, whatever size you want. I can help with that. Just take just take the power from my paws and other things and turn that it into work, a ray. But Again, just to be honest, if we had the technology for that kind of size change, you'd probably have really good propulsion technology, too. Right. Well, you know, the universe is huge. It's ridiculously and utterly huge, more than we could ever comprehend. Even if I could grow outside of the universe, I might be really, really freaking surprised as how long it takes me to get that big. Because... You know, when you're pushing billions of light years and light travels 186,000 miles in a second, it's a long way. So but even keep in mind, could... as you grow bigger and bigger, the universe is relatively smaller and smaller. I mean, think That's about the, the thing that Dragonia mentioned last week. That, 1% uh, from Mata- Mataki or Makani or whoever it was. Mataki, um, yes, 1%. That just yeah. went 1% every minute. You would be 39 sextillion times the size of the universe at the end of the week. Yeah, and then I can also do exponential growth and stuff, but still, it would, you know, at 1%, at that rate, it would probably take, you know, upwards of a day or two to get. And then we start getting into stuff like relativity and right. time dilation when you're growing. Oh, that. Einstein, little did you know so that you would be... you'd be going faster than the speed of light, right? You'd be growing faster uh... than the speed of light, yes. Let's not get into arguing whether but, but, but or not wait you can do anything wait a faster than the speed of light. Wait a minute. That's Hold a whole on. other thing. Hold on. Wait a minute. Well, well, even, all of the guys, scientists then remote, rem- remove this. growing from it. Let's say guys, that um, let's let's say that you were uh, you were that huge, or you were you know you were ten hundred thousand miles tall, and you were moving fast. At some point, you're moving faster than the speed of light too, even right. though you are uh, you know a. It's right. kind of like you're talking about where I think. Godzilla or somebody was walking and each yes. movement yes. made a sonic boom or something like that. Oh, 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 can I explain? Oh, please, oh, yes, oh, yes. It's, it's something you probably Thank already explained. Like okay. the so, podcast, so yes. what, uh, what, Con- what Quandry is saying is basically when you are huge enough to be, you know, multiple galaxies big or bigger or what have you, um, the example is uh, from, you know, when I saw and when people watch Godzilla, uh, the 1998 film, when Godzilla comes out of the sewer to go walk to the fish, he's walking, you know, just, you know, casual stroll, curious walking at 136-something miles an hour. When you are huge, every little movement you do is faster. Every little movement you make has, you know, more force behind it, more everything. So when Quan Ju was saying if you're, you know, three, sextillion, whatever, like you're huge and you just decide to move your finger, that little movement that you just did could easily be what 2000 times the speed of light more exactly yeah well so it actually goes back to something I, I think it was Tyrion that came up with it at one point mm. um like they figured out um what, what did he call it um basically it was time dilation based on size like well, i was just about to bring that like up yeah. ah. do what i was just about to bring that idea up go ahead go ahead though. oh gosh let's do yeah this. it's like the bigger that you are the more uh the slower that you look to normal sized people right because the bigger you are the faster you're moving but the more of you there is to move yep um and basically he figured out how it is that like the bigger that you are that's like the slower time looks like it's going to you that's why loom and it works happens. kind of similar to the principle of relativity right. where the closer you are to the speed of light slow the slower time is going for you Right, but that's so. That's one of those things that it, it doesn't make a huge amount of sense on the scales that macros are <laughs> usually depicted on, because 
the uh, it, th that time really only goes slows down when you get really close to the speed of light. Right. Uh, it's kind of like the. As... It's, it's is it like the Doppler effect in a way? Because when you no, are it's, it's when not. you are it's, the source no. of the speed, you can't tell. But when you're observing the source of well, the speed, it's different. Yeah. Mm, well, because the, like the well, Doppler effect has more to do with the fact that uh, right. things well, are moving in relative to each other, right. not so well, much that time is moving at a slower speed the well, bigger you are. If you think about it, uh, well, time and space are relative, or they're equal, or what have you. So technically, the space between a zooming car, like if you are in a car and you're driving down the road, and you see someone, and they're waving at you from the street, you don't tell any difference. Like it, the, the main thing with Doppler is it's sound and waves and kind of style. So right. when you're driving in the car, you are the source. You can't tell a difference. It's a whole lot different when someone's observing it because it sounds really high and then there's probably so, a visual doppler effect when there's that drastic there is the red and blue shift there, there totally is, uh, is. yeah red yeah. blue shift that's one of the things that we can detect if yeah. a planet you know things about planets that are really really far away is through, through so, oh my gosh shift. so you know what's interesting if there were scientists uh there's measuring the doppler effect in a certain quadrant of space and you just so happen to be the size of that quadrant of space and you decided to move your finger towards their cameras you would be uh let's see it'd be blue because red's the longer wavelength and you'd be uh, providing a shorter wavelength because you'd be going towards them. So just by you moving your finger, you would be doing a Doppler shift. That is awesome. But then, like, also just, you know, let, let's bring it back down to Earth real fast. That's something I've thought of when we're talking about, you know, moving and things and uh, different scales and proportions and size. Um, you know, when you look up and you see, for example, let's say I'm looming over you and I'm 350 feet tall. Now, from your perspective, I am really big, and it looks like I am just really slow, but yet I'm covering distances that are ridiculous and extremely fast speeds. But to me, I've always wondered this, and this is one of the biggest it's, – it's, it's like a tertiary thing, but I still want to know. If I could ever grow, would it be the same feeling as just walking now, or would it be different? Just, just think about that just for a little bit because we're our size right now right yeah we're used to it what happens if you grow to 350 feet tall none of us have ever done it so what would happen just if you could guess if you could be that big would it feel slower or would it just be like you're walking every day i have not been able to, to come you, up with an answer it would feel normal would it though but like but everything else around you would be going slower that's true but because would cause it time dilation is all about perception that's true that's um, right, so just like, like when you're in an airplane. You moving at a normal speed, but everything else is moving at a much lower speed. Right, because actually I flew to Texas to visit a certain uh, panda paws, and when I was 30,000 feet in the air, we were going 300, 400 miles an hour, but yet it looked like we were going at a snail's pace because well, we were so high. That's, that's something – that's a different principle thing. altogether. Okay. That's just well, the fact that you are so far away from the ground that, well, that, you, well, that you're seeing that big, so though, much of the ground. Well, being that big, though, like say I was actually 30,000 feet tall and decided to go for a stroll. Let's say I just wanted to move at 400 miles an hour. At that size, I wouldn't be like – But you would still be going at like 1% of the speed of light. And, and the, 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 the whole right. thing with the theory of relativity is it only really applies when you get to like 90% oh. of the speed of light. Oh, I, if I was you're talking 30, about like feet the... tall, you're going way faster than 400 miles an hour. Well, I was talking about in order to but go you're not, 400 you're not miles, getting well, close to the speed of light. That's well, in thing. order to get to 400 miles an hour, like just all I would be doing is just like scrunching my toes along. Like I'd just be like like leaning yeah. your head forward slightly would yeah. probably be like yeah, that'd be like that'd be a whoosh hour. of air at half the speed of sound. Yeah, 
And like, yeah. well, I always like to think about um, when I'm, you know, I, I think ugh, I had it figured out. I need to do another macro math uh, situation. And Tiern, if you're listening, help me out with this. Because what what height do you have to be at to break the sound barrier? And then what height is Mach 2? And then what I height is Mach Tiern 3? I did that. Did he? Okay. I want to say he did. Yeah, because, you know, if you think about it, once you get to a certain size, just walking, you know, not only are your paws causing gigantic, huge booms that could break the Richter scale like 30 times over, but you also are moving incredibly fast, which means each one of your paw steps, your toes would be bursting through the sound barrier. So you would constantly be causing booms. There would not be a single situation in your gait in your walking that you would not cause enormous noise because you would constantly be breaking the sound barrier and you would constantly be, you know, making earthquakes 30.5 on the Richter scale. So just interesting. And that's, that's how our whole concept of loom comes about because when something's bigger, the whole thing about, they look slower, but yeah. Just keep in mind though, that the speed of light and the speed of sound are, I know. Exponentially different. I know. Um, the speed of, the speed of just, light yeah. is, is something like, it's 300,000 meters per second, which. Yeah. 186 miles an hour. 186,000 miles an hour. Or I think it's ma- miles, miles uh, second. Miles yeah, in miles a second. second. Yeah. 186,000 miles in a second, yeah. And the speed of sound is, is much, much lower. 786 miles per hour. Yes. What? It's really ironic that we're talking so much about, what? like, speed of light and relativity because. We- for something totally unrelated to this podcast, I spent an hour talking to one of my friends about this before we started recording. <laughs> awesome. Well, light has a lot to do with space because, you know, light, uh, well, in a universe without galactic size macros, light is the fastest moving thing. It's 186,000 miles a second. In fact, Einstein has put it down on paper. I think it was Einstein. It might have been, you know, a few other people too. But it's the fastest. You can't get faster than that. Well, well happens, that's the whole thing that you know. that if space travel is going to become a reality in any ways, there has you have to get past that. I know because, because it would take uh, let's see, Andromeda Galaxy is fourteen point seven or something light years away. It would take yeah. fourteen years to get to the nearest galaxy from us, and and that's, that's, at, at the speed of that's light, that's penis. ridiculous. That's that's like that's like going from one toe to another uh, from on a, on a, on a galaxy sized macro. Not even right. that really. It's just that's why we most have sci-fi to hop shows, toes. You see them always traveling with stuff like warp drives sure. or right. like wormholes or something gates. like that. Isn't yeah. isn't yeah. warp like like warp nine? Isn't that like nine times the speed of light? Or yes. Something? Uh, yeah. No. 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 Oh. It's uh, it's a logarithmic scale in in Star ah. Trek at least. Okay. Uh, so warp nine is significantly faster than nine times. Um, oh really? Oh, warp gosh. ten. Warp ten is is basically it meaning the ship. that. Well, no, it's that you are going as fast. You're, you're at every point of the universe at once. What? Um, yeah, which led to a ex- probably the worst episode of Star Trek in the history of Star Trek. What? Wait. No, they, hold, they went hold on. Threshold. Worst episode of Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's, let's be threshold fair is worse here. than any episode of the Next Generation. There were some really bad original Star Trek episodes and some really bad Deep Space Nine. Wait a minute, do uh, tell. I've not gotten any bad T- DS Nine episodes. I've 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 not watched the whole series, <laughs> but I've I've not come to. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, Big Brother. So if it's threshold okay is, to is, talk is about these things, bad. what was the episode? The, uh, threshold's basically the idea where this uh, I don't know the characters in, in Voyager, so you might have to help me with this, Dragonian, but Tom Paris. Tom Paris, yeah. He is trying to prove that he that the warp tin is a reality, is, is theoretically po- or is possible. And uh-huh. everyone's saying no, it's not theoretically possible because of blah 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 blah. And he actually is able to get to that point 
but that apparently then causes his DNA to to completely like change and turn into what at the end of the episode amounts to a newt. A newt? <laughs> there's no there's no reason for that. It's it's, it's the worst, the dumbest hmm. logic that comes in that episode. And... Uh, well, I mm, I, I guess mm. I understand it a little bit in saying that like if you're everywhere at once, it's kind of like you're throwing a dice. Anything it, could happen. It, well, it ha- I think it has to do with something with. Like this is what humanity of like evolved from, or mutation and crap. yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. It's, it's it's really really. Is a it kind of like idea. when Q takes uh, Picard uh, back in time and shows the start and like the primordial soup and crap and like that's that a style. great part of the next generation though. I can't you cannot mention those two things in. in I'm in, sorry, in I'm the sorry, same episode, but like the same oh sentence. gosh, get, mm, that episode, that entire uh, finale of was it season one? Forgive me if I no, that's out. the that's the finale of Next Generation. That's the oh, finale generation. series. Yeah, that's, oh. the, that's the last episode of the show. Oh, okay, yeah. It was, it was, oh my gosh, freaking my mind got blown so much because it's the whole, he starts the end of the world, or he starts the end of civilization, but then he has to go back and save it, and by doing so, he's actually yeah. starting it, and then he has to figure out that he's doing the whole thing at the same time he's trying to stop it, and because starting it at the same time. Like, what? Stop! My brain! Ow! <laughs> that's why I hate time travel. Yeah. Oh, that's why time travel is so interesting, though. I love because talking like, about time, time travel. Time travel can be interesting, but so often it's so easily just well, made confusing. It's, well, it's, it's hard, it's hard to write. It. It's, hard, it's definitely hard to write successfully. I do agree with that. Well, there, there's, yeah. there's always going to be an, an, very few people write. There, there there's always two... going to be an inherent uh, suspension of disbelief. Right. There, there's two main theories that I've heard. I don't know if there's any more. If there are, please throw them at me. Because the first one is a Sound of Thunder style, whereas the group of uh, the group of tourists who have are billionaires and can afford it go back in time, 65 million years, right before the meteors crash. They see an allosaur come out of the tar and about to attack. Rawr! And then it's you know they have the same thing. They go back the same time every time. It's it's scripted, quote unquote. And then there's this one time this. Something goes wrong. They go back a couple seconds too late. The uh, Carnosaur is already dead, and they freak out because they're trying to get back in the ship. And one of the guests goes around the corner and comes back like one kilogram heavier, and he stepped on a butterfly. And so by doing that, when they came back to the you know actual present, it causes a, a, a ripple in the time stream that causes everything to go back to, you know, it's like, Waving, 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 and it caused everything to go back to uh, prehistoric times by the end of that because it it disrupted the time flow. But then there's the other scenario, which is Back to the Future style, where it skews off in an opposite time tangent, which was supposed to happen. So it doesn't matter if you go back in time because you're not going to affect your original time stream by doing that. And you can actually technically never get back to that, I don't think. Because when you go back in time, you're instantly out of that time stream. You can't go back because you're in a different one, and there, it, that goes on by itself because it's an alternate universe now. So when you go in another time stream, something else is going on, and so you skew. Well, that's why in Back to the Future, they, you know, they, I don't think they ever get back to the way things exactly were, right. but they're at least able to make things either as good or better and, right. and, and close to it. They which get, which also, it, close, yeah, right? and also it proves, like, it, it, it beefs up the whole theory of there's infinite amount of universes in our universe. It's just, you know, they're just all going on at once, and it's like um, Einstein's theory, how space bends and stuff. Like, imagine a blanket. If you put a ball on the blanket, when it's stretched out, it bends. Like... But space is infinite amount of blankets over it over itself, and there's like a universe for each one or something. It just basically proves that you know there's more than just this reality. 
kind of style. A blanket within a blanket, mm-hmm. inside of a taco, inside of a burrito, burrito, in a Taco Bell that's inside your brain. And then uh, underneath my paw. And then right. underneath my paw. And then in my maw because I eat my paw and then I chew burritos and yeah. <laughs> All right, your I think... paw? What's your maw going to say? But I, uh, I chew on my toes. They're fun. All right, I think we've we've kind of gone off enough tangents that it's probably time for us to go ahead and Hey, what are you talking about? We were talking and... about space. If we there's got... any topic no, we, were we could... No, talking about time travel. Time travel is not talking about space. But it is in a way because... No, it's not. Do... Technically, no, it's not. No, it's not. he was talking about parallel universe. But, but so, see... So but, now but see... it's time for us to go ahead and move time on Time and space are relative. Sorry. And, uh, and the Murr Factor, if you don't know, is what we always talk about different uh, artists or writers that we want to give a shout out it's to. It's Marty McFly. And Dragonians, this is your first time in, uh, doing the Murr Factor on our show, and since you coined the term, uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to go ahead and let you go first. The Murr Ladies Factor. and gentlemen, welcome to Murr Factor. Oh, Murr. Host Dragonians. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. So, as much as this is going to be like blatantly obvious and cliche, I still have to mention him because... Mm-hmm. Helped me with so many things. My Murr Factor is Zev, or Nuclear Fusion on F.A. He's a writer that's been writing for, I believe, a couple of years now. Um, he He's only, like, in the last couple of years really become active on Fur Affinity. But he's kind of, like, jumped out there as a pretty big writer recently. I remember saying he's him. he's been a huge inspiration to help me get back on the horse because I fell off it for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a great inspiration. He's a great dude. He's really fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a lot of like muscle writing and like macro growth. He's not so much into the micro stuff, but he'll do it occasionally. Um, he's actually doing like commissions right now, which I've always thought this is a fun idea, even though it's been done a million times. Is basically you give him a picture and he writes a story mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. A picture is Ooh. worth a thousand words. Yes. Yes. Um, and like we said earlier, he's the guy that helped me start the uh, the short stories and tall mm-hmm. tales writers group. Um, so he's been intru- instrumental in helping me get that up and going so that we can help get other people's names out there. Um, so he's got a, a lot of really good writing. You should check him out, especially if you like bigness. Right. Everyone does. Right. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. Everyone likes bigness. And I hope it was obvious that when I was talking about him earlier and saying I got him confused with Neve, uh, that because of all like the muscle, muscle macros out there, I, I was being 98%, uh, Facetious, you know. I, I, I definitely am, am not trying to be prejudiced against against that at all. I do enjoy a good muscle story, even though my general preferences for a little, a little more slender macro. But, uh, but I think Don't that listen is. Listen to him, guys. He hates us. Hey, by the way, if you guys didn't know, I has a muscle piece now. Yeah, yeah, I do know that. Yes, I like oh, it that, so much, so Bella, well. Bella Crava, and I'm actually going to. Well, I'm not going to give it away. Never mind. I might have just given it away, though. Can I go next so, since I just yes, gave it away? It. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I believe, forgive me if I say this wrong, uh, Bella Crava. And the reason why I don't know how to say it is because uh, it's actually a very... It's a name that, just by looking at it a few times, you wouldn't really know how to say it. It's uh, B-L-E-K-A-R-O-T-V-A, Blektarova. I believe. Blekarovta. Sorry. The name is really interesting. But on Fur Affinity, the reason why I mentioned this person, while I have not really gotten to know her, uh, she actually um, broke out of, I don't know if she's ever done macro art before, but the muscle icon that I now have on FA, uh, she did a great job on it. 
I gave her a description of um, what I what I wanted. Basically, it was one of her templates, and I said, "Could you put you know buildings in the background and a plane in front?" Because I is huge and right. And she's like, "Sure, no problem. Sounds interesting." So I just wanted to shout out to her because she broke out of a shell maybe without even realizing it, and she did macro art. So uh, if at all she ever listens to this, or I know you guys are listening to it, go attack her and try and you know. You know, smoosh her and have her do more macro art because I know she can do it and she does it really well. For the, you know, if she's never done it before, even if it's just a little simple icon, I love the way it turned out. So, uh, Blackarovta, I believe <laughs> she's awesome. Go check her out. Okay. And one of the things I, I kind of want to say on addition to that, kind of relating to also what what Dragonian, what I was saying after Dragonian, uh, you know, the whole thing of this podcast is uh, even though macro and micro is definitely where our focuses are, focus mm-hmm. is, there's all sorts of different subjects that are related to that that don't necessarily have to have macro or micro as a part. Right. Like, like muscle and, uh, you know, hyper and things like that, that I do want to even explore a little more. So if you have an artist that you're wanting to give a shout out to that is yes, uh, not specifically macro, but, you know, has more of a focus on muscle, then that's, mm-hmm. that's fine or, or for something else like that. Oh, my gosh. That, you know, that's just... definitely what we're trying to get. Yeah, so I just opened FA on my phone, and I was looking at her username, and I'm in my notes, and Rogue sent me a message saying, Muscle Cats and Passing Planes. Huh. <laughs> um, about to read it. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm not gonna... Eh. Oh, now I gotta hear this. Oh, gosh, alright. Um, <clears throat> From Rogue Megawolf. Subject, Muscle Cats and Passing Planes. Quote, you know... You keep posting stuff like that, and some dirty old wolf is going to have to pounce on you. <laughs> oh, gosh, Rogue. I love you. I love well, you, and just... Uh, I'll say this. <laughs> I hope it doesn't make you feel too uncomfortable. I kind of had similar thoughts to that. <laughs> uh oh. Well, okay. I have to... Okay, I guess I'm going to add some real life, I don't know, more factor. Because I'm actually wanting to look like that. I'm actually trying right now to form my core, and I'm working out currently. I w- I've never had a six-pack in my life, never have I been toned in my life, and dang it, I have the ability to, and, you know, God's given me a body that is completely different than what it was before. It's thin, it's active. Dang it, I want a six-pack. So, hopefully, if all goes well, within, you know, maybe a few months, perhaps closer to a year because I'm lazy, I might have a six-pack. So, yay! <laughs> and oh, truthfully, right. getting that icon kind of was the Kickstarter. Because I'm like, you know what? Why don't I? Yeah, you're 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 closer than most, I would say. <laughs> yay! I All wanna, right, so I be athletic, more athletic. So my art, uh, my shout out, my more factor is going to go this week to <laughs> someone who you've probably seen their artwork, even if you didn't realize it, because it <laughs> is. Ed Meister, and Ed Meister yes. is uh, the one that you'll Love see on the uh, icon uh, or the uh, al- the podcast artwork uh, is the picture of me and Kenson that I kind of edit a little bit around, as yes. well as on the banner of our site. Uh, right. But Ed Meister, and I don't know if it's a guy or a girl either. I'm not sure. It, apparently, the species is an umbrella hat, and their icon is this. I'm not, it may be it may be them, but spinning around in a a chair with an umbrella hat on and it's just oddly hypnotic but their art is also good yeah, uh, have, have, you know, am i the only one who has watched it for five consecutive minutes 
Uh, I've done that before. I've definitely yeah. done that previous part. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, uh, but but yeah, they 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 definitely have uh, a great uh, sense of scale. It's, it's it's definitely it's it's cartoony a bit. I would say maybe a bit more than you know some other artists. But it's def it's in a sense of, it's a I use definitely way too much when I'm doing more facts. Yeah, yeah. My word is like, and yours is definitely. Is de and I, honestly, I use that at work a lot too. Uh, but. I would say that it's it's art that I de that I feel gives a good sense of scale and is just you know it, it it's really cute and and fun. I I can't really I'm trying to think of what else I'd say without you. Well, no, no, it's, it's true. Like it's it's not it's not um well it definitely is like you see you see hmm. you do it too. Well, well, hey, hey, you know, y you could have given me a little more warning. Um, <laughs> so get me out of this dome, and maybe I can think better. Oh, but what, do you, what but, was that, Dragonian? Oh, the dome. But, oh. There's a world out there. And but I they also seem like not. a very nice person, you know. That's one Even of the things I've I stomped find. all over it. That's one of the things I always find really useful. I think when I first, uh, I, when I first used that picture. Uh, of right. the for the podcast artwork, I was a little afraid that you know th they might not be appreciative of it. But they said, "Oh, yeah, I'm just glad to see right. that the the artwork is getting used, and it's, it's really you know, they were they were really pro it, I guess." Right. Um. Question. Uh. Because this is always something I end up thinking about way too late after we do the mirror factor. I want to remember it right now. Okay. How would you say that uh, Edemeister's turnaround is? And well, I've never commissioned them. This, the commission that we did from from them is, from, is oh. or the picture that we have is from Startide. Oh, okay, cool. So ah, that's right. Okay, I want to say it was relatively quickly. I think that from beginning to end, that may have been two or three weeks. Uh, right, which is pretty quick, I guess. I yes, I can't say for sure though. Yeah, well, the reason I bring it up is because um, I am not picky at all, and I'm willing to wait a, a while for a piece of art. I will say, though, it means so much more to me when the artwork is done quickly and efficiently. Because yeah. the turnaround, oh, like, okay, Blek, Blek uh, Rovta, the, uh, the other reason why I, I, I mentioned her, and I completely forgot. You want to know how fast she got my icon done? It's ridiculous. It's insane. It's the fastest turnaround I've ever had in my life. Four hours. Wow. Four hours. Hours. I messaged her before I clocked on to work that day, and she was done after I clocked off. Done. She's like, "Here's your icon," and I had been off work. I hadn't like she sent it, you know, two hours before I got off work. I'm like, "Wow! Oh my gosh! Okay, thank you." Four hours done. And I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, it was from a it was from a template, but normally artists, you know, accept quite a few commissions at once." Just even if it's from a template, the fact that you know you put hours and hours and time into it, even if you had more than one commission, just that kind of speed, it's really really impressive. So another reason to go pounce the heck out of uh, Blackdorova. So that's I wanted to bring that up. But I I also have to say um, I don't mind at all waiting because I currently have a piece from Ryoku. If do you guys know who Ryoku is? You should I think. Because you know who Gravewalker is. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ryoku's Gravewalker's... Yes. Uh, part... Husband. Yes, they're husband uh, and wife. Husband, okay. <laughs> yes. So, well, 
he is i don't know if he's as well known because he doesn't do a whole lot of art but when he does oh my gosh like i have this piece that's coming that i ordered at uh that i ordered that i commissioned (laughs) i said ordered uh well i guess it's ordering but i commissioned at furlaxation 2012 furlaxation 2013 just passed so it's been over a year however he showed me the sketch of it and i almost died it's only in the sketch form. It's going to be full color and everything. And I was like, how is this? I only paid $40 for it or 40 or 60 or something. I'm like, you just take all the time you need in this sketch form. Oh, my gosh. And I can actually show it to you guys. Uh, I'm not going to post it yet because it's not done, but I'll show it to you guys so that you can, you know, you can see. It's just really, really, Burn. really heck of detailed. Oh, my gosh. Like, if he posts it, I- I'm going to. Scan it if I get the, uh, not if, when I get the actual copy because he promised it to me. Uh, when I get it, I'm going to scan it. I'm going to put it at like 1,200 dots per inch, and I'm going to make it as high quality as possible. Because you can just zoom in and see ridiculous quality. Like, I couldn't believe what I saw. So I can't wait for that to be done. So turnaround is is awesome when it's quick. But if it's a piece of art that, you know, is insane, but even if it's not insane, I don't mind waiting. Well, I think that also... Kind of, kind of to go off from the flip side of that. If it is going to be a longer turnaround time, right. the thing that's really crucial is right. either setting that expectation up front, yes. or keeping, uh, keeping the commissioner updated. Yes. That, you know, oh my gosh! Like there's Yuki. Of, there's like oh, like Yuki. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah. But no, there's, there's been a couple commissions that I've been waiting on now for mm, going on five, six months. Four, four months for one, I think five months for the other. You're not the only and, one. And I, know, I know that's something that happens throughout the community, so it's not anything that I'm uh, too worried about. Yeah, uh, I actually... But, uh... but, Sorry, but one of them, uh, you know, one of them was a, you know, I'm not going to name names, but if you've listened to this podcast right. before, you might, I think I may have referred to this one before. There may There's or one... may not be a giant panda and or spotty and or draggy paw looming over your house right now. Well, no, it was a, it was a YCH okay. uh, auction. Mm-hmm. That there was several several participants. I think there was like eight or nine, and it's something that there was a more money than I've ever spent on a piece of art before. I know what you're talking that. about. And oh, I know. I, it's it's been one that since that has gone through, it's been several months. No right. updates have come from, from the artist regarding that. I even sent them a note mm. on on FA. Uh, and actually, I was talking to someone else who was involved in that. I've actually had people, other people who was involved in the art project note me and say, hey, do you know what's going on here? I'm like, nope. <laughs> right. Uh, and and the, the thing that's most irritating about it is when you see that the note's been read and there's no reply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because FA shows you when, when a note's been read. Can I go ahead and just say um, Chase was actually the one – by the way, uh, for those who don't know, um, I has uh, – normal-sized puppy friend named Chase, who I oftentimes, you know, I don't know. But he's not a macro, but gosh darn it, I wish he was. Anyway, he um, he showed me that. I didn't, I never knew that, ever. And ever since he showed me that, it has caused stressful moments in my life. <laughs> and I wish I still was innocent and didn't know things you can't unsee. Because he said, hey, you know that, you know, when someone reads your note, it's not highlighted yellow anymore. I'm like, yeah. what, really? And then I figured out, I'm like, oh, that's cool. A couple weeks later, I realized someone read my note. Why haven't you replied to me? You hate me! <laughs> yeah. Uh, but The only thing that really bugs me so much about like turnaround stuff like that 
is I can understand if it's taking you a few months to do it, and even if you're busy and don't really think to give an update. Wait. But when you've taken the commission, it's been several months since you since you got it and you haven't done anything with it. You haven't given any updates. And you accept more commissions. And you're doing other people's commissions right. that you com- that commission yes. you right, 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 or, the, right. or you're asking for you know right. for people to help commission you and yes. and when you're not able to honor the commissions you have on, on, on your own, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I, I never want to pick on anybody, and I never will. I never want to speak against anybody. However, behavior is a different thing. I, I'm not going to, like, you know, stomp and crush and rawr and things because, you know, no one would get hurt anyway. Yay. But when someone does that, it's it's taught me how not to be whenever I, if I ever open up for commissions because I did once. I had a lot of fun doing it. But it taught me something as well. It's, you know, hard work. So there's a lot of business-like stipulations that need to be followed. And when they're not followed, it's like a dysfunctional organization. Because when you make a commitment as a business, because technically you are a one for business when you do commissions, you need to deliver. You can't just accept and you can't just, you know, take money and not deliver. And especially, yeah, it's, it's private contracting. That's all it yes. is. Yeah. And there's not even a middle ground, even because it's you know I've seen or heard situations where someone orders some or orders there. I say it again, commissions something, and it's like a couple months and never heard anything. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Okay, I'm working it out, and then they just half-assed it. I've heard about that happening. And if I ever open up for commissions, I want to be so confident with my speed that I can give a date and it be as close as possible. Because that's one thing that I, if I ever open for commissions, I want to make everyone happy. I, truthfully, I never plan on opening for commissions so that I can just surprise people with stuff. But anyway, and, and one of the things that I also kind of want, you know want to position, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. is that you know I know that as far as people who have commissioned me, there's there's been sometimes when I have. Uh, Mm-hmm. Been late on 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 that, and I writing's got to be a whole different animal, though. Well, no and, and and the thing that I always want to do in those situations, uh, I will make sure I talk to the right. uh, commissioner and let them know what's going on. And <laughs> in my with my work, I, I have terms and conditions that I've laid this out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always ask for a refund. Yes, and in you know if it's something, especially if it's something where I'm late on on returning right. something. You know, you have every right to do that. I and, really. Sorry, go ahead. Well, so and and you know, it, it, I think because of that, people have uh, felt a little bit more assured Safe. about it, yes. and and are a bit tend to be a bit more patient. Yes. It's you know that and combined with the fact that I am, uh, uh, you know, that I try to keep updated with them, that I try to let them know what's going on. Yeah, I've only gotten a refund once in my life, and it's because I I, I never want it to be. You know, oh, you didn't meet the deadline. You're unacceptable. Give me my money back. No, I never want to be like that. I'm really understanding, and I know that people go through stuff. I know that, you know, people like commission, oftentimes it's not their full-time job. And there's also that big journal that you could read about in order to have a full-time job as a artist. You have to do a bit about, yeah, ridiculousness. So I know that it's not a full-time job. I know that it's more or less, I don't want to say it like this because I already got beamed upside the head for my art teacher for calling it this. A hobby. It could be a lot deeper, but it's still a side thing. So I know life happens. I know work gets in the way, family gets in the way, school gets in the way, whatever. But when it comes to refunds, I, it's like a last resort for me. And I've only done it once, and it's because I actually 
I, I spent too much money, and I asked for it because I needed help. Uh, I needed money back for something I needed to pay for. Sure. So, um, but it oftentimes, like, I, I really appreciate it when the artist uh, isn't like, oh, well, okay, like they're just kind of miffed about it. But also when there's a terms and conditions and they stick with it, that say, and I've only seen this a few times, if I am late with a commission, I will give you um, uh, like 15% or 25% extra back. Like they're, they're, they're saying, I am sorry, this will never happen. They're OCD about being on time. And so they say, if I go past the date X amount of time, I will give you a 25% bonus to your refund, what have you. And I like that because that, that is a little more business-like. That's like going up to a, a restaurant saying, hey, yeah, my food wasn't prepared right. Okay, here you go. Would you like something to drink here mm-hmm. at Wendy's? Here's a Frosty for you. We love you. Come back. I like that. And it's really consumer-friendly. So. And I think one of the things that makes you know getting commissioning art so much more difficult for this kind of thing right. is that it's one of the few places where you're paying for something and you're not getting a product for right. a Especially, while. Especially, and I, I don't mean to, well, well, I do love talking about it, but we could talk about it a different episode more in depth, but fursuits. Fursuits, yeah. the reason why I'm so thankful for mine is because it was made by two of my uh, best friends. Like, I know them really, really, really well. I've known them for a couple of years, and they made my suit. So I know that if something were to go wrong, they would not only let me know, but even if they try to get away from it, I know where they live. <laughs> so. And I guess, anyway, kind of tied into that, one of the things that I don't, that, that someone who is in the mindset of already wondering what's going on with their art, right. they if they get a response, that response... Like a breath of fresh air. Well, it can be, but it can also yeah. be even more irritating when it is... Defense, like almost attacking for asking that question. Right. And I'm saying this because I finally got at least some sort of a response based on what I was just talking about. And that's basically... Wait a minute, just now? Well, it, it, it was not a personal response. It was in a journal. Um, oh, okay. But I know, because I know there were other people that were commenting and asking about it. And, you know, th- at some yeah. point you should say, I'm sorry, I'm late. You know, you should yeah. say, I, I, you know, this is not something I intended. Um, right. I hope you understand. And not give me space, come on, blah blah. You know that kind right. of thing is just even more. Irritating. You can have the space between my toes as I watch you draw. <laughs> yeah. I've been a furry for eight years, and I've only had two like bad situations with commissioning. I've never had one, and only one of them did I ever have to ask for a qu- or for a refund. But it was kind of a bad one, and it actually really disappointed me because uh-huh. it happened last year at MFF, my first con. You were at MFF last year? I've ever gone to? What? Yeah, that was my first con. Dragonian, I was there. I even saw you and waved at Did you. You, you re- probably don't even remember. No. Okay, yes. this MFF, yeah. you shall be glomped. Continue, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so, it was my first con ever. So you know, I was all excited. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, I wanted to get a badge, so I I'm not gonna name names, but I went to go talk to a person, get a badge. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid him. He said, okay, I'll have it done by the end of the day. It was Friday. Right. You know, that way I'd have it for the rest of the con. That is oftentimes so, a you know, Friday, the, that night rolled around. He was like, I'm sorry, I haven't had a chance to get to it yet. So I was like, okay, cool. Right. Because, you know, it's a con. It's crazy. I sure. understand. Right. He said he'd have it done by uh, afternoon Saturday. Afternoon Saturday rolls around. Hasn't done it yet. He says he'll try to get it done by the end of the night. And the night comes, he hasn't had it done. He says he'll have it done by the end of Sunday night. It isn't done. 
Long story short, we get down to February. Um, he's taken several <laughs> that bus commissions time. that he's com- <laughs> that he took and then completed in that time frame. And you know, I, I finally worked up the balls because you know I try to avoid confrontation while I can. I worked up the balls to ask him about it. Right. He's like, "Okay, I'm sorry. I'll get to work on it right now." April rolls oh, around. Goodness. Haven't heard a word back from him. He's taken more bust commissions and a couple of other commissions, and started like this big pinup project, which I also paid for, and he hasn't mentioned since. Um, so June finally rolls around. It's like, look, dude, I honestly, I really only wanted the badge for MFF. Can I send my money back? Right. And I, I felt like a huge dick about it. But I you mean, too. That, well, that's actually what happens more- when I'm like, because I'm not going to. Okay, I guess it's the disclaimer of disclaimers for this. I'm not going to mention any names either, but I've had a similar situation, but it's not one that ended badly. Um, Rather, uh, it's something that I am very understanding about. I had ordered an expression sheet from uh, someone at Morphicon 2012. Morphicon 2013 passes and everything, and it's, of course, about to be MFF 2013, and it's not done. The reason being... Because this person has a, a, a lot on her, uh, her plate. A lot. Uh, more than I would ever want to add to. It's just ridiculous. I, can't, I, I don't want to go into it. Even if I did, it would, just, it would probably cause me to start crying. It's just a lot. And everything's finally settled down with her. And I, uh, she actually noted me and said, I can't even say how sorry I am for how long it's been. You have been so good. You have been so sweet and so nice, and I am very, very thankful. If you still want me to do it, I will get to it. But if you want your money back, I understand. And I said, well, I know things are still crazy. I know you still have stuff going on. When you are good and ready, and if you want to take it again, I'm more than willing to pay you back. But I would like my refund. And then she's like, okay, I understand perfectly. So it wasn't one of those. And, and I always, I feel the same way. Cause it's like, you're like, oh, I've been waiting forever. And I know it's something that I'm owed, but I just don't want to go up to them. Cause I know this just, it's going to cause a, it's something. <laughs> and just the only reason I even did it. And the only reason that I even let myself get annoyed about it was because they were taking Brand new commissions and finishing. Oh yeah, right. That would mine. that um, would totally piss me off. And the fact that the well, fact that the time the time the goalpost kept getting moved back. You know, you went from Friday to Saturday to Sunday, and then got right. to February, and then April. You know, I, at some point you got to say, look, give me a drop right. dead time. Give me a time that if it's not ready than this by this, you'll give me your money back. Give I have give to my say, money back. I mean, um, that's, that's basically what I said. I was like, look, dude, it's. It, I mean, I totally get it. It's eight months late on something that was supposed to have a 24-hour turnover. Right. Can I have some of my money yeah. back? Yeah, and that's actually so. that's actually what happened to me with my situation. And I hope that um, she learned out of it. And basically, and she said she did in the note that she wrote. She said, "I've learned so much about the do's and don'ts because um, she she has a lot on her plate, and she was accepting new commissions and doing other stuff." And it's never something like I I didn't get upset about it, but I'm not trying to say that I have something that, you know, someone else doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just I felt for her so much. I didn't want to add any pressure. And she was already having people. I read journals that she had of people boiling mad rage that she had, you know, had been a couple months overdue or something. And I'm just like, there's no way. She's not going to get that from me. And I've actually been there for her through the entire thing 
Because she's been going through so much, and at the same time, she's had people just bombard her with angry letters. And yes, it is, you know, it is because of her choices and what she did, but at the same time, you know, she's already hurting enough. I mean, so she she definitely, she's turned it around, she's gotten better, and she is. She's hacking through all of these commissions, and she has actually gotten in contact with everyone. So, you know, more power to her, but being an artist is definitely a learning experience. So after and, this, and with that, with that, we are going to need to go ahead. Extremely long, we, we are already you guys enjoy. over two hours. Uh, I don't what think it's depressing, about? honestly. I think, it was it's, I, I think it's something. It's something that is a learning experience. But yes, we do need to go ahead and move on uh, because we are going to run out of disk space. Um, no, the, not because uh, space is infinite. Ha! See what I did there. So we did get uh, some feedback from some new listeners for the last episode. And then we'll have, uh, of course, the question for writing in for the next episode after that. Bang, bang, Um, bang, bang, stomp, stomp. How much do they hate me? Uh, I do want to give – well, I think most people didn't write about you you or wrote positive stuff about you. I love you. But I do have uh, something I want to read from uh, Cora Chroma where uh, it sounds like – they have been listening for a little while. This is first started listening to our podcast around episode three, and ever since that, I've been trying to muster up the courage to write you some feedback. Aww. And no, please, we're gentle. My paws and, are fluffy, and I think Quan one of the things that, that really is appreciate that, that they appreciated has been some of the things that that you know you're interested in. You brought in Dragonian, and that is uh, tackled one of the favorite subjects in the entire macro micro fandom, the cytoscience. Uh, Pseudo science. Oh, how do you pronounce that? Pseudo. I can Pseudo. Never, I, Pseudo. 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 Uh, Pseudo. S- I used to do that all, that, yeah, all the time. I used to call it Pseudo. I'm really bad at pronouncing words sometimes. P-S-E-U-D-O. Um, about hearing about U-D-O. the theories like making U-D-O. the atoms bigger and so on. It's always interesting to hear other people talk about stuff like that. And uh, I guess the whole thing about the VHS collections really kind of hit home with them too. Yes. Uh, they thought there was a nice blast from the past. Um, right, yeah. And and actually, I guess Cora Comer, since, uh, one of the things that, that I'm really glad she wrote in for uh, is that she says that uh, one of the things I made her write in was when we started talking about females in the fandom, and being one of them, it really made me wonder how many more there are. And you know, I think that that's something that there there's more than what you might see on first glance. What? You yes. know, I, I know a lot of artists that I can think of off the top of my head that are female that I've commissioned. Uh, right. You know, and it's something that even though it sometimes can seem a little male dominated then there's plenty of females to in both macro micro community as well as just overall in the furry community. Let me see if there's anything else that they asked. There's some other kind of stuff that they just mentioned, but I'm going to go down to the end where it says, please continue the great work. I am really looking forward to tuning into your podcast in the future. I hope this feedback was at least a little helpful. Yep, yes, and it was. It was. It's always good to see uh, information from or feedback from a new listener. Completely, uh, yes. And yep. validation. Yay! We have we have people that hear us. We're not we stop stuff. Good. We're not just speaking to the void. All right. Oh, uh, so, feels good between the toes. So before we go, there's one more thing we need to do, and that is to. Uh, Right, uh, to ask the question that you guys can write into us for the next episode. And, and boy, do we have a doozy for a year. We've been talking about one uh, that we came up with. Uh, Dragonian, do you have that uh, available you guys, you, that you can say? Oh, what say you? Yeah. If your character were a member of a starship crew or a spacefaring society, 
what role would they serve, and how would their size and or powers or special abilities affect their role? Well, so right this... now, I would be strapped to a balloon floating along the intergalactic mall. Ha, ha, ha. Can I please get out of this dome? I'm serious. I, I'm hungry. Fine. We'll answer the question. Answer the question, and we'll, and we'll let you go out. Get some exercise. Okay. You're lucky it's... You're abs. lucky it's... Well, yes, you're yeah, lucky you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get your... Gotta get your uh your car. Why can't I in. grow out this thing? <laughs> it's got it's got a special force field that prevents it's that. It's made of space. Uh, space yay. The thing is, is that Wait, what it yeah. actually is doing is it's taking the energy that you have for growing it, and it's matching that by growing the rest of the universe around it. So really, you're just staying the same size. Wait, so I'm aiding in the growth of really the universe. Just making me and him grow. I'm aiding in the growth of the universe. Yeah, yay! but it, 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 you can't tell. Oh. Anywho. Uh, Kenta, do you have an answer for that question? Uh, well, yeah. Can I be out? Can I be let out so that I can actually demonstrate? Answer the question and we'll let you out. Oh, okay. Demonstration comes later. Um, well... Uh, for rhyming purposes, I should be Ensign Kenson. <laughs> but I actually... Uh, let's see. I would love to be... Uh, and this is probably not going to fit my character at all, but I could do it in a much more bouncy way. I want to be Data. I want to be the computer processing unit or Android or what have you. I will go undergo the surgery to do so. Because I don't know what it is about Data, but I've loved him ever since I first started watching Star Trek The Next Generation. I love him to death. Well, it's just how would your size or powers affect that role then Oh, how a science they... officer? Well, you know, um, you know Dr. Manhattan uh, off of The Watchmen, right? Yes. I actually think uh -oh. about him a little bit because Data is uh, – he, he is trying to learn how to feel and be more human, but in a way he's still just neutral. Dr. Manhattan's passive. Even though he can grow really huge, he just does what he's told. So in a way, my, submiss my submissive nature and my docility, along with the fact that I am just taking orders, you know, I could be sent down and be like, okay, Kenton. We need you to go gather data down there. <laughs> go gather data down there. Sorry. Um, if anything gets in your way, you know what to do. Bye. And then goes off, beams down, collecting rock samples. Sudden, suddenly, alien attack grows and then tries to have them gently go away because I don't want to hurt anyone. So. so just a couple of clarifications about that. First off, Kenson, I hope you'll be wearing a lot more pants than Dr. Manhattan does. I always have my clothes grow with me for reasons that are, you know. Except for that last, uh, that last icon, the muscle icon. Well, well no. I, okay. And then there's okay, also okay, the one hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> okay, my my uh, my main. Hold on, is... hold on. My main wardrobe is always uh, shorts, bare pod, and I usually go shirtless. Sometimes I wear a tank top and my beanie. Okay, I always wear pants. Let's just say that. Moving on. Except when you the don't. Second thing is, <sighs> except uh, when I'm in the shower. The question, I, the question was intended to be more about like what your character would fit in a role as, ah. not so much what you would want. Yeah. Does that make sense? Ah, okay. So then I will redo that. Sorry, I misunderstood. But you have that side too. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, where yeah. I would fit? Could I be the DJ? Could I be the, the Could I be the, the entertainer? Ship DJ. Yes, please. <laughs> 
why is it so easy to picture like the Enterprise? Or- <laughs> you guys are ready to party! <laughs> like after a long day of exploring the universe and almost getting killed and vaporized and smooshed and what have you, it's nice to unwind with a little. Epic furry rave dance music. Sorry. All right, so Dragonian, what would what would your character be? What role would they play? Can I be the party animal? <laughs> yes, please. So we want to be my backup. We want to be my hype dragon. We've we've taken. But for realistically, most likely, he would probably be either probably. A, I don't want to say mercenary because it wouldn't necessarily be about fighting. Because mm-hmm. like pretty much in every situation, Dragonian has always been portrayed as. Because of like the the frivolous and like spontaneous like concept of his personality, he's always been a guy about odd jobs. He would never stay in a job for too long because he'd want to go try something new. Mm-hmm. So he would probably do something in a job where he can be really flexible in what he he's does. He's a big so, merc. Like, as a mercenary. He might go like hunting pirates. He might go deliver some cargo. He might help someone build a ship. Do what you want, because a pirate like, is free. Body for hire. Traveling around in a little bitty spaceship just big enough for him, flying through the stars and adventure. Dragonian for hire at your service. Ah, oh, that's adorable. Right. And then I think if, uh, if if my character, if Quandry was uh, in in a space, you know, sphering civilization, you would be the fluff provider. Well, that's I think it. I think I would probably like to. Uh, the best role I would fit in would be a. Uh, Basically, basically, basically Quark from Deep Space Nine. Be the mm-hmm. like a bartender, maybe co- combination entertainer, host, hostess, host. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, gosh, forgive me, forgive me. What is the name of Whoopi Goldberg's character? Guinan. Guinan, yeah, kind of like oh, that. God. No, 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 Guinan <laughs> no? is more, well, actually, yeah, Guinan is a bartender. Yes. Okay, I'll be Guinan. <laughs> big hair! Yeah, but she's more of like a A big hair! Yeah, she's a, a big I, I think more of well, Quark, because Quark is more of a... Quark entrepreneur and big paws um, a big tail guy is more of a listener and and i can imagine that right. you know with quandry would use his size powers to you know, entertain people and to go you know either be be really loomy or to uh to shrink down and and make make some special tricks with drinks and things like that and uh, you would be the right hand man to the captain no, that's fine. Quark, Quark is not. Quark is. Quark yeah. is kind of a bad guy. Not not a bad guy, but he's oh. he's a he's a rogue. He's an irritation. Yes, he, he's definitely out for his own. Interest. What is it with What is it with characters whose names either are Q or start with Q being being annoyances in Star Trek? Because you have Q and now you have Quark. I can't really think of anyone else. Yeah, I have three to make a pattern. Can, do you have a third one? Uh-uh. I can't think of a third character with a Q name in Star Trek. You can. No, I can't. Oh, I can't, no. Q2. <laughs> Q2. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, it just made me think of Q. Okay, who, uh, just just for the sake of it, just for asking it, they're not on the podcast right now, but they might be listening, if you can think. Who do you think would play the part of Q? Go. If there was John anyone. Lancey? Well, no, no. Uh... I mean, like, us, our fellow macro fuzzbutts, if you can think of someone. I just want to ask it, just for just for stomps and giggles. I mean, Q's basically, in, like, an imp was... So... Someone who is, you know, all about creating mischief. I mean, honestly, that's... Right. He's a sci-fi version of Puck. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, who do we know that's mischievous? There's got to be someone. Quandry. I don't know. John Quandry? Delancey's pretty hardwired into the role of Q. 
even when he's not in Star Trek, he's still playing basically Q in another show. True. Wait, Big Brother, did you say yourself? Um, I heard it really quiet, like, Quandary. Maybe. <laughs> That's true, because you did describe yourself yeah, at first. Yeah. I, I, I think Quandary's a little bit more good-hearted. Good good I totally yeah. know who would make a good Oh, Q. gosh. Go for it. Thank you. DNA Paul. Yeah, oh, okay. Wait, what? He's. I thought he's a sweetheart, huh? He would be. He'd be kind of a sweeter but Q, you, but he'd oh. be impish enough to randomly screw with people's sizes. But you know who Q, I think would be a good... Q, uh... Q is much more about uh, just just experimenting and not all, and not really caring about people's Intellectual. Lives, really. You know who I just thought of? It's probably going to be... I don't want to say it because it might be blasphemy, but I'm going to say it anyway. Tiern. Tyrion might make an awesome Q because no. he is intellectual and uh, he's drawn art that is strictly mischievous. He has. I know he has a mischievous streak. Tyrion, I'm sorry. I don't want to like, you know, sensei, please don't don't hurt me cuz I think of you, maybe you're not the perfect fit, but if we needed the Q, you'd be easily fill the role because you're intellectual. He's more the type of person that would want to be the one to mischief, not true. making other people cosmic. What about? Whereas Q's about putting people in. Situations. Well, I, I thought of Beharit, but you know, he just he just shrinks people. I could see. Yeah, that. Beharit, I, I think, is probably that. the closest that we. Beharit, so okay. But in real life, he's not that way. <laughs> well, we're talking about characters. I'm talking about real life. I know. Sorry. Anywho, uh, so that wasn't the question, though. The question that we question, want people right? to write in <laughs> right? is going to be: If your character were a member of a starship crew or space Rex society, what role would they serve, and how would their size and/or powers affect their role? Well, and if you have an answer to that, that, then please write in to sizematterspodcast at gmail dot com or mail right. at sizematterspodcast dot com. You can yes. always also tweet us at uh, at sizematterscast or find me. Uh, actually. I should let, I should make an announcement that my usernames on both FA and Twitter are in the process right. of changing. Right. Um, I, I'm now at Quandry B on Twitter, and then my Fur Affinity mm-hmm. username is Quandry. I still have the old Talon account, but you I'm can also over. you can also get a hold of Dragonian now too. Yes, Yay! Dragonian is uh, on Twitter. What are you, Dragonian on Twitter? You're He's big Dragonian? everywhere. Yeah, big, big Dragonian, Dragonian on Twitter, and then just Dragonian you're, you're... on Fur Affinity. Okay. It's a Somehow generic name that no one's ever used ever. <laughs> and then Kenson is at Kenson Shimobi on Twitter and yes. just slash user slash Kenson on. You can look up Spartacus FA. Stompicus as well. <laughs> so all of those places you can reach us. Uh, and right. we do have one other announcement, and that is going to be that we do have uh-huh. official confirmation that we will have a panel for Size Matter yes! Live at yeah! Midwest Story Fest. So we're going to be Saturday people. night, uh, the 20th. Third? Is that the Saturday Working night? on it. Hold on. Calendar. I believe so. I, I know I, I, I know yeah, 23rd. The... 23rd. 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 Yes. Okay. Uh, at, mm, at 10, right? Is, is 10 p.m. or 9 p.m.? Uh, 10. I want to say 10. Yes, 10. Because I okay. remember be, being double yes. digits. Okay. Uh, 10 p.m. on Saturday night in McCarran, which I, I guess that's the name of the room. Um, it is subject to change, so you know, keep up to date. We'll, we'll try to announce it if it does change. But that is what we're looking at 10 p.m. on Saturday. Right. Uh, and we want audiences uh, as well as... Uh, we're going to have some, some special guests on there. Bring. I know the three of us will be there, and then we'll probably have some previous guests and maybe some other uh, right. names from the community. Also, if you guys have any ideas for what we should talk about, slash do, slash have, slash feature for our live show, throw it at us. If you have something that you've always wanted to see and you're going to be in person and you're like, oh my gosh, this might be the only chance I get, tell us, because we will think about it and we will most likely do it. So Just keep in mind we only have an hour. 
Right. Also, <laughs> uh, I'm um, going to try to find out if that's a hard hour, if that's a soft hour, but yes. uh, I, I, also, right now it's only an hour. I am going to most likely, unless it's, you know, discouraged by my fellow huge colleagues, I want to do it in suit. So you guys I think we already talked about that, suit. and that's not a good idea, because the whole thing is it's a podcast, meaning that your voice has to be recorded, so and microphones do don't it. work through well through, through first Well, weeks. then... Well, like with the dance competition, they have like uh, they have like JD Puppy and a few others up on stage. And but full they're suit. going, they're 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 projecting their voice out over music and noise, and it's okay if it sounds a little muffled. It's not going to be okay if it sounds a little muffled on a podcast. I could eat the microphone. <laughs> okay. All right. Anywho, guys, if you are going to MFF Saturday night, 10 p.m. McCarran. If you're familiar with the hotel, you'll know how to get there. If you don't, it's at the very very basement. You'll be able to find it if you get there. The second basement. Yeah. The, the basement within the, <laughs> the basement, basement that we form after we stomp through the floor and form a third right. basement. Yes. Basement section. Well, actually, now wow. that I think about it, now that I think about it, they actually installed an elevator that goes down to the 50th basement because Rogue and I last year kind of got into a wrestle fight. So, yeah. They have a bunch of storage You guys are wondering now. Rogue One. Of course. So what? He said Rogue One. <laughs> okay, so I think that – you guys have anything else to say or are we ready to go ahead and go? We've, we've already gone way too long. I'm hungry. Yeah. When you guys yeah. mail in your questions, I also want to know your favorite type of pie. Yes. And mail us that pie so that we can all participate in the experiment. Uh, hey, if anyone, if anyone's listening that's in, in, that's in Kentucky, uh, I would love you to send me a slice of derby pie because that's my hey. favorite and you don't really get that down here in Texas. Hey, if there's anyone in Texas who has Bluebell ice cream and wants to bring it to MFF, no. Ice cream doesn't hint, really, hint, doesn't wink, really wink. go into planes very well. But seriously, if you can do that, Please. do it. Because in La Mesa, Texas, is the only place in my entire life I've ever been able to find hot fudge brownie ice cream. I will love you forever. Ooh, yes. I, 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 really, I really highly doubt that the TSA is going to look favorably on me bringing not just ice cream, because I'm sure that goes against the whole like food liquid thing, but also the dry ice that would have to be necessary for me to actually keep the ice cream iced. Get down to the ground. He's got ice cream. Exactly. He's, got, he's got ice that goes directly to a gas. Rawr. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, and thank you, and Dragonian and Kenson, for joining us and like always, and I well, we'll see you guys next week with a mini episode, and then we don't know quite who our guests are going to be for the week after that, but we will try yes. to get someone else lined up. So we'll have four people on the podcast, which we've never <gasps> done before. So Stay we'll on your toes. I know it's going to all how fall big apart. or small they may be. But anyways, thanks for not booing me off the show. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Good night and big pause. Stay big. Stay. No, keep calm and big pause. Done. I have big pause. I have big pause and she has big pause. I have big pause.